So we're back, and I uh, got Paul here with me. Hey, guys. And we're going to be uh, moving on to a, a new guest, and many of you guys probably know this uh, this guy. Uh, if you pay attention any to anything softly, you've probably heard about Doug. And um, so, Doug, first off, just welcome to the show. Short, short jean shorts and the objectification of men's sexuality is my speciality, my specialty, <laughs> my sexuality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we thought we'd kind of dive into so many different things because there's a lot of things that Softly does, but there's also some things that you you do or have done in your past. And, you know, when I started looking at the background, I ran across this article, and I was mentioning this off air, about a blog that you'd done. You said you regurgitated it back up and changed the date kind of thing or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, man. I, you know, it's funny when you when you deal in long form, well, any content, really. Yeah. It's amazing with the algorithms on social media. Like, yeah. I could put something up and, you know, we have, you know, what, 170,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. And still only like 3,000 people see something we post. So <laughs> I know, right? I, a lot, it used to be like there's this this panic all the time. Like, well, we have to have new content. We have new content. And I'm like, man, it's weird. I still get a lot of comments from people about something we did a long time ago. And, yeah. and I'm like, how did you not see that? That was like a four-year-old blog post. And then I was like, wait. It's because they haven't seen anything. So now a lot of the time we will kind of like re-address older things. I think the article you're talking about in particular, I may have revamped because I was going through a divorce. And I think I mentioned that like, you know. So you did some editing. Yeah. Well, I went back and like the whole point was that we, <laughs> that embracing failure is how we grow, right? Right. And I think that in the original uh, article, I said that, you know, I was a happily married guy with two lovely daughters and that in all the things I'd ever done, I was a failure at first. Right. Yeah. And that Kim and I had been separated in like 2014 and we'd figured it out. We'd gone through some therapy, we worked it out and we like grew, but like we didn't really address a lot of the issues. And so when we finally decided to get divorced, which was finalized last week, finally, you know, after a year and a half, but we're, I mean, we're really good friends. We, we talked for like an hour on the way up here and yeah, we're grateful for each other. Um, we're good co-parents, and we genuinely think highly of each other. But just as a <clears throat> as a a marriage, it wasn't it wasn't working for either of us really. Yeah. But I was too stubborn to admit that, and she was, you know, also very stubborn. Something I admire. <laughs> um, but I definitely went back when I published this piece again, and I was like, man, how relevant is it that? embracing failure is what's driving success. And like when I wrote it, I was like, yeah, I embraced the failure of our separation and how I was going to grow. And then over the five years since it was published or since our four years, since I wrote it, like been on the same road, which is, you know, you try, you fail, you try again. Um, and handling that with grace and, and it, wait, giving yourself grace yeah. in it, which is the hardest part. Cause it's easy to beat yourself up and be like, man, I did this. You know, who, who else can you blame except yourself? Yeah. And that seems like an adult way to look at it because it's accepting your failures, but it's setting you, you're setting you up for um, a distinct lack of real growth uh, as an individual because you're just accepting that you're the whole problem, which that's not always the case. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a two-way street on almost everything, but you contribute to it. So you like own what you can and, you know, be like, hey, what could I do better? Uh, what could I do differently? 
but yeah, we we do we do a ton of stuff together. So yeah, we, it's cool. Been, yeah, it's been good. My my oldest daughter is now a free agent. She's eighteen. So <laughs> yeah, she used to go with me everywhere. When I was uh, at the eighteen Charlie committee as an instructor, she would come out and be in the woods with me for like a week at a time. We got great pictures of her shooting uh, future Green Berets with sim guns and that's awesome. Building charges and <laughs> driving ATVs around Camp McCall. She's she is uh, also a savage, and now she's a grown woman who I guess will be a freshman at Elon this spring. Oh, um, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to you. Uh, well, you know, uh, not congratulations to my bank account, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course you want to go to a private university. Well, we'll see what banks I have to rob to make that happen. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that like the, the point of the article was it was interesting to do a republish and be like, hey, uh, you know, it's not... It's not anything to be ashamed of that this is the direction we're going. It's like really, it is the wisdom that I was trying to espouse in it to begin with, which is I think a lot of people get really mired down in the failure and they feel bad, which I assume you guys see a lot here where guys try their hand at something like going to ranger school or being in ranger regiment or going SF or whatever. Unit. Because they didn't make it, they think that it's some sort of like, negative implication on their entire existence. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, when I taught, well, when I was, when I led events for GORUCK, I would run into guys at almost every event that were like, yeah, man, you know, like I went to SFAS 30 years ago and like, it just eats me up that I didn't get picked up. Like, I, I just always wondered if I was good enough. And I was like, man, in the last 30 years, have you not done anything else that you were proud of? Like, does this failure yeah. just eat you alive? It's hard because the window's so narrow on a lot of these things, especially if you're an officer. You know, you get kind of get one shot, so you don't get to come back and try again. Yeah. Um, enlisted guys are a little luckier. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know. definitely. Like at Range Regiment, you get RFS, you're not coming back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you get one fuck up, bro. You know, <laughs> that's it. Then you're a persona non grata. Yeah, and you know, but even selections sometimes, you get. You know, if you don't get a chance at airborne school in your contract or right away, yep, you might not get to go because that's the way your career path went. Or, you know, Ranger, getting to Ranger Regiment, that one, you might get another shot. Yep. If you mess up and rip or rasp, but... Maybe not. But, I mean, it's how you handle it, right? And what you do with your career. I, I, I tell guys all the time, I mean, like, I see a lot of, like, just killer NCOs in the regular Army that oh, yeah. are just doing great things and taking care of their soldiers and, like, making a huge difference. And, I mean, to me, that's... I mean... It's, I'm almost jealous because yeah. you don't get that level of mentoring in SF, really. You get it on a much more limited scale. You kind of get, yeah. get a junior, yep. and you you may get partner force guys uh, that you get to mentor briefly on J-sets yeah. and things like that. But um, that's like a... It's more about being a teacher than it yeah. is being like an actual family member, mentor, your squad imp- leader. Your impact opportunity is so much higher, I think, in the real army or in the yep. regular, regular army. army. I say. Yeah, I spent a year in the regular it army. It is the real army, by the way. It is. And where I am at is not. Like, especially <laughs> since I'm a guard guy now, it's like people are like, oh, man, you're still in the army. Well, not really. You know, like <laughs> yeah. uh, one week in a month and two weeks in the summer, actually significantly more than that because... Uh, Guard SF has no concept of personal boundaries, so they're like, oh, you're an M-Day guy. Like, I I just yesterday drove from Durham down to this place in Mount Gilead, uh, two hours away, to look at a potential new training area, not on orders. Just a guy I was on a team with was like, hey, I want you to come check the site out with me. I was like, all right, man. So I drove down there, uh, you know, looked at the site, decided we're going to put together a company internal 
uh, unconventional warfare exercise and we'll like put it on for limited teams and we're gonna make it happen you know yeah. but that's kind of on us it's not like yeah. yeah nobody was like hey let's make sure you guys get paid and it's yeah. a feather in your cap and you're like i just think this would be a good thing to do and yeah. like uh my my personal opinion is that guard sf is the best kept secret in the army because it's basically the spoon is on your side it's kind of like boy scouts for adults and you get cheap health insurance and you get to still hang out with the dudes and keep your qualifications fresh and every three or four years you can deploy if you want yeah you get to do cool cool guy stuff yeah day job yeah, I yeah. mean, well, I mean, a significant number of the dudes who are worth a shit in the in the guard, it's a big yawn. Uh, they get a, um, <laughs> they they are basically guard bums. So like, they're kind of doing the active duty thing. It's just that they're hustling from one school or one deployment to the next. So those dudes stay pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. The rest of us that are lazy like me, we're like, oh no, I'm cool, I'm good, I'm not gonna do that. I think we're, I mean, we're blessed in that realm. I know that. Um, coming up it's been nice to weigh what responsibilities matter to me being at softly it's funny because i kind of get to do pretty much whatever i want this is like the best job i've ever had which says a lot because being an sf guy is pretty much the best job i ever had and i know like you were kind of wanting to talk about like me going to college failing out coming back to college and you know being an Aggie, um, going to a is like a huge cult fraternity, you know, like when I, when I got my Aggie ring, when I graduated, that was like the coolest brotherhood I'd ever been in. And then I joined the army and like, I became SF and I was like, who cares if I'm an Aggie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. like, I am in a real brotherhood now. And yeah. the longer that you're in the regiment and the more you see people's flaws and realize that everybody's just everybody, <laughs> you know I mean? We're just doing a cool job. The more you start to like reprioritize. And I know when I was younger, I saw guys that prioritize their families over work. And I was like, man, that guy shouldn't be an SF guy. Like, you know, Hey, he's not focused on the job. Fuck yeah. him. He's too old. He's too long in the tooth. He needs to go do something else. And, um, I think as I've gotten older now, you become the old guy. Yeah. As I'm the old guy now, <laughs> like I definitely understand why family's important. Yeah. I, I really respect guys who from a young age can like balance it, but it's really hard on active duty because I mean, you're just really busy all the time. Right. Um, but with the guard, I've been able to kind of like pick and choose what's important. Um, you know, over the course of a, a, ma a marriage that's been <laughs> challenging at times, um, like, you know, my wife was quick to remind me that, um, like I wasn't showing up where she needed me to. And I was like, whatever, you know what I did. And like, this is my job and it's what's important. And you guys just signed up for this. And I, I don't feel bad about saying that at the time, yeah. but I definitely recognize that I was wrong and that like, um, being present, you know, guys always say you step back in the nest lightly and like, let your wife lead and, you know, just, but that's not who we are. We're people that want to come back in and be like, Hey, I'm in charge. I run things. And there's a delicate balance to how to do that. And I think a lot of that is being prepared, which is like what we were going to talk about with softly, which is to say, um, I think one of the reasons we put such a priority on physical fitness is because it eliminates a lot of the worry about being able to keep up. Like, I don't worry about keeping up with my kids. I run my kids in the ground. 
Um, you know, I see a lot of guys in my age group in their forties that are like, you know, man, I just, I, I can't keep up with my kids and you know, yeah, I want them to do sports. Basically it's like putting your dog in the backyard so that, you know, they can run out their energy and you're like, no man, you should do stuff with your kids. Like I take my kids climbing, um, tried to force them to learn how to ride bikes. They hate it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they I, like the climbing part. Yeah. I mean, mm, I don't know if they like it. <laughs> they, they have to do it. Yeah, I bring them with me. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like I, I think that picking things that matter and reducing that stress, I mean, like in your marriage, it's about like putting in the work in like the appropriate love language, like, you know, whether it's gifts or quality time or words of affirmation or whatever with your, your partner yeah. and making sure they feel prioritized, um, is going to buy you a lot of wiggle room in like other areas. Like if you want to buy a $10,000 road bike. If your wife feels loved, <laughs> she's probably not going to be pissed at you that you did that. If she feels like you're a reckless dick, it's just like blowing the bank all the time. It's just going to be another brick in the wall. Right. Right. Sure. So like the basics, um, as an SF guy, everybody looks like, I don't, I don't always know who listens to these podcasts, but I think like a lot of time people who haven't been in the military or want to be in the military look at SF and they're like, Oh, special forces guys, like they're super high speed. And you're like, man, we've just like, we're really good at basics. Like, you know, learning how to patrol, learning the basics of a language, learning the basics of shooting. We're not good, particularly at any of those things. And a guy might have an area of special interest that he devotes more time and attention to, but like we still only have 24 hours in a day. And one of the nice things about soft lead has been, I'm able to like get on a bully pulpit and beat dudes heads in over what matters. Right. Which is to say like, yeah, man, working out's important, but I spent 15 years going in and doing like two hours a day in the gym, not knowing why I, like, I don't see the gains I want to see. I'm not as good at the things I need to be at work as I should be. Yeah. I'm competing with other dudes all the time, but I'm always tired. I sleep four hours a night. I eat like crap. I, I dip still. Um, I drank way too much for most of the time that I was like really out pipe hitting and like, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, it wasn't good for you. Like going and doing yeah. a shooting package and then drinking four beers afterwards, it's erasing your fine muscle memory yeah. every time, every night. Yeah. You're, it's like, you're putting it on hard mode. Yeah. I, I, I did the same exact same thing. A lot of my buddies, you know, that was just the culture and you're, you're almost expected to do we, stuff like that. You think you have to do it to fit in because yeah. other people do it. And like my goal in all this is to say like, Hey man, let's change the culture. Yeah. You know, let's like, let's really make it easier on guys the, if the, if the desired goal is a better end product, all we define our success by is the end product, right? Like, Hey, yeah. what was it? What is, is the mission accomplished? Yes. Not only was the mission accomplished, but we were able to like do it better. We expanded the scope. We gave you a better product, whether it be a better student, like a better green beret, a better ranger, um, a better, you know, husband, whatever it is. Um, like the reality of the situation is, the end product is what matters. Yes. And the only way to get there is to streamline because we only have so many hours in a day. So I know um, when we first started with Softweed, we, we we sold PDFs. Like, you know, just like Rob Shaw and a lot of other guys, you just paid some money and we sent you a PDF file over email. 
And, uh, you I know, didn't know that. Yeah. We had two programs. We had one to prep guys to go to selection and one that was for guys that were on active duty. I remember teams. that, but I, I, and, but I didn't realize that you were just like signing them up for like a newsletter type of thing. And then yep. you would send them PDF workouts. It didn't last very long because okay. <laughs> we realized it wasn't a like a sustainable business model, Yeah, but we transitioned to using a platform called train heroic, which is I think pretty popular with coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also take a lot of revenue. Um, so mm-hmm. like if you're going to do it long term, it's probably not the best way. So then we became a tech company. Yeah. <laughs> we started to spend a lot of money developing an app, which is um, you never know what you don't know until you find out what you didn't know. And like, so every year, year over year has been us being like, oh man, why are we so dumb in doing it that way? You know, like, and I mean, some of that's been a good learning curve. I, I'm always amazed when I sit down with guys with like MBAs and things like that. And because we've had our hands on all the levers, you know, you can have a conversation with them. Like, how do you, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, there's a significant amount of partner money that went into making a mistake that led us to being, <laughs> the right decision. Yeah, yeah. Or, or a better decision, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're <laughs> dropping a new app um, in the new year, and um, we've spent like over a year developing a new app. And it's funny because we just started the alpha test, and we all came back to the drawing board and we're like, hey, man, I know we thought this was the right thing, but like we know more now. And there's some things that we really need to fix as far like how this, how the usability is, the user experience. Um, it's, it is still got some cumbersome aspects and we're going to go back and like re-hit the drawing board and like, you know, put a better product out before we run an actual new app up. But I mean, I think that being able to take that pause yeah. <laughs> and instead of rush, rushing into it, we used to have to rush into everything. Yeah. Like, Hey man, we gotta, we gotta release the app. We gotta yeah. release these updates. We gotta do all this stuff. And it was like this time crunch that left everybody super stressed out. And we're at a point now where we're like, we have a sustainable business model. We have a decent product that's coming out. I mean, I use it all the time. I, because I'm the face guy, I get to hear a lot of like, you know, good and bad coming from people like, Whoa, this is really difficult. And I'm like, you know, it is. I use it too. And like, that is challenging. Like we had a lot of problems with, uh, internet connectivity for a while where like you couldn't use the app without a good internet connection. And when I was deploying and using the app, you talk about being frustrated, you know, it's like, shit, I mean, yeah. I just want to work out. I don't want to stand here for fucking five minutes while the next page loads, you know? <laughs> right. And we made it specically, um, that's bandwidth with, uh, that's, Causing that, it's right? a lot of things. We weren't using an our the app that's currently available isn't using an iOS native platform for a variety of reasons that our original tech developers decided to go with, mm. um, and we didn't know enough to insist on an iOS native platform. All of this is Greek to people listening, mm. but um, because like ninety percent of most app user base is Apple oriented, you want an iOS native, it, just the way it interacts with your phone, the usability, um, that's all greatly improved. So we've migrated to an iOS specific platform in the new app, but, um, like all of this is just, it's, this is like inside baseball, man. You know what I yeah. mean? Like nobody really cares about it except to hear like what we're doing and that we're working through a bunch of like challenges at our end as well and trying to put a better product for, for our customers. But like what the real challenge has been, like we were all coaches in some way or other, which, you know, like that's another failing, right? Was like, I came into this, I, when I left being a guard bum, all I wanted to do was coach. Cause you know, it says I'm a green beret. I like to teach. I want to yep. coach. I didn't think about how non-scalable coaching was <laughs> and how you're basically committing to like making $30,000 a year forever. You can have your own yeah. gym. You're paying yourself a measly salary. The gym isn't very profitable. Um, but you know, you pay your mortgage, pay your bills, try to work contracts on the side to kind of you know, give yourself, you know, a steak dinner every now and then. 
And uh, it's stressful. It's 80 hours a week, a lot of customer relations, um, just being in other people's lives a lot. It's it, it drags you down. People find it really rewarding. I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it really, after a while, um, wore me out. But I mean, you know, um, one of our original partners, Brent, came to me when I was helping start a gym um, with another guy in Pinehurst. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I want you to help me start this company. And I, you know, of all of my strengths, one of the few that I really have is a, a very forefront awareness of what I'm not good at. <laughs> um, and I was like, hey, man, I don't bring anything to the table for you. Like, I just really started coaching, you know, a year ago. I'm learning the ropes of business. Like, you don't want me. You've owned a gym for years. Like, you're a mensch. Like, you're going to do this. And um, he he's uh, like, oh, you, are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm totally sure. I'd love to help you do whatever you do. Well, we fast forward uh, eight months later, the gym that I was running, there was like some issues with how it was shaping up and I didn't see a future there. And I became the first full-time employee at Softleet and I'm now working for those guys without equity. Um, just, but I mean, I love the guys. I love the mission. I love what they're doing. I was really involved in it. And, you know, um, three years later, I, you know, I'm a partner, um, you know, we, we came full circle, but it's funny because, you know, humility didn't benefit me. I could have been a much more vested partner, Yeah, <laughs> but being, being, you know, being like aware of my limitations yeah. I, and I think it worked out well. I think it set me up to be a better asset, which for me is more valuable. But, um, you know, what I learned in the process is that, um, this whole concept of like the whole man is, it's a ghost that we're all chasing all the time, right? You can't be good at everything all the time. So what you have to do is you have to like get proficient at some baseline things so that you have a clear focus on the variables, like the stuff that you can't predict where it's like, Hey, I mean, you know, it's the whole financial wisdom thing. Like, well, you make sure you have some money set aside because you never know what's going to come down the line. Like, yet we all still live paycheck to paycheck, but you're way less stressed if you got, you know, $10,000 in an emergency fund. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. uh, fitness is like that. I think a lot of people take it for granted because it's like time they can't find in a schedule right. or they feel embarrassed about their current state of fitness. And so like for us, it's awfully like our core product as coaches was the programming. It's like, Hey, we want to give guys the best workouts that don't break them. You know, like we all came up doing other people's programs that were specifically designed for people that weren't in the military. And the people who were coaching those guys thought that special operations guys were superhuman, which some of them are. Don't get me wrong. Genetic freaks exist. Um, They usually migrate into tier one units. But even at tier one units, you've got normal dudes that have established a solid baseline and perform and do well in their their given purpose-driven task but mostly because they've reduced the mental bandwidth that's required to do the basic tasks, right? So it's not like you're looking at an entire unit constructed of like division one college athletes who are just genetic freaks. Um, You're looking at a bunch of pretty normal average guys who have like consistently pursued physical performance gains over the years and, and find themselves able to perform at a higher level. Right, and they figure out a way to maintain it and they figure out what works for them. And well, and, and because that. of that, right, like the workload of your regular job is high enough that introducing extra stress, which is 
something that, you know, we don't really talk about in general in life, but like, it's not just physical stress. A lot of us used the gym as an outlet. Like once you put a priority on physical fitness, then the gym becomes your distraction from uh, emotional stress, yep. uh, you know, or relief spiritual. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to do this thing. Cause it's yeah. like where I can shut my brain off and do something. Yep. Yeah. You're in control, you know, it's, but, but you're stacking stress. Reported. You're stacking it. Right. It's like, yeah. Hey man, like I had a fight with my wife. I am like stressed about work. Um, yeah. you know, my money's tight and now I'm going to go in the gym and I'm going to spend 90 to 120 minutes doing a high volume workout that is actually hurting me. <laughs> like yeah. it's not helping me yeah. get better. And you don't have awareness of the fact that like you're already, you know, running on empty and now right. you're basically just running on fumes. It's, it's interesting. We've kind of created this idea that like you got to go into the gym and crush it. And like, you're not there to crush. You're there to build. Well, and I and mean, sort of a kind of the way you look at you it. are there to crush. Sure. You build during your recovery phase. But if you're never getting a recovery phase, then you're never building. Right. That's kind of the secret that most people don't pay enough attention to. Right. Because they don't understand that if you don't get enough rest, you don't get sleep, you don't eat right, you don't do those things away from the gym, you're never going to see any progress. And well, consistency as well. But. Consistency is, is super yeah. important. Yeah. And, and the problem is every everybody likes shiny things. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, don't, I I made a post on Instagram a while back. I, I started reading again. <laughs> For a long time, my ADD and TBI and like stress in my marriage made it so like I just didn't have... I spent a lot of time on the internet because of work and like, I just didn't want to pick up a book anymore. And I grew up reading like voraciously. I mean, I loved reading and it just seemed stressful to me to read a book. And I started picking up some old classics and I, I've been camping a lot more because of COVID. I just go somewhere where I don't have cell phone service. So I don't get distracted. And I've just been reading and I was rereading uh, roughing it by Mark Twain. And hmm. there's a segment in there where he's uh, he decides uh, spontaneously, he and his friends, who are all clearly outdoorsmen, but not really. That's the nature of the book: is that they're all like city slickers trying to experience the West. They're going to become uh, prospectors, and they've you know read about all these giant loads of precious metals, and they're going to go and they're going to find the ultimate you know strand of gold and silver, and they're going to be wealthy beyond their wildest imagination. And these three young guys find an old miner to help them, you know, go prospect. And that he sneaks off the first night when they get there to go look for, you know, to stake a claim. And he finds a bunch of like gold on the ground. He's like, all my friends are idiots. You know, like I just walked 200 feet from our camp and I found all this gold and he's like sticking his pocket and he's like so proud of himself, comes back to camp and they're all like, well, you didn't find anything. You know, he's like, what would you guys do if I told you that I found the greatest load ever and it's 200 feet from this camp. And I'm just picking gold up off the ground and everybody's like, Oh, like everybody's excited. And he hands the, you know, reason his pocket hands it to the, the miner and the miner's like, Oh man, this is just fool's gold is pyrite, you know? And he, he's a, the, from the miner told, uh, you know, he, he looked at the miner and he goes, uh, I, I guess that's where the phrase, all that glitters isn't gold comes from. And the miner goes, I'll go so far as to say nothing that glitters is gold. And, <laughs> and then Mark Twain's revelation on it was more about people in general, which is to say that like we spend a lot of time focusing on shiny objects, yet men of mica, right? Mm-hmm. Guys that glitter, that have no substance or value, uh, or, or tasks or things like shiny objects are always really distracting, mm-hmm. but what, you know, what is not sexy, what is valuable is the grind, like the consistency and the rest. And nobody, everybody thinks like, you know, you listen to Jocko Wilnick when I understand that Jocko's 
main goal isn't to say he wakes up at 4 a.m. You know, Although he's got black and white pictures of it every day. <sighs> I mean, if you dig deeper into his thing, he's not, it is not a total shit show. <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. on the surface, the he's, way he's, it appeals yeah. is very yeah. one dimensional. But I mean, um, guys, you know, they want to stay up till midnight. They want to watch Netflix. They want to drink beers late at night. And then they wake up at five to go hit the gym and they wonder why they're out of gas. They wonder why their testosterone levels are low. Um, dude, the sexy part of being good is budgeting eight hours a night of sleep. You got to do it. Yeah. And it's a foundational thing. Right. And I mean, like I can't, <laughs> you want to, people complain about spending $35 a month for our app, which is, you know, like workout plans, mobility. We have a shooting program to help you with like dry firing, getting better at like shooting. And we have, you know, nutrition. It's like everything all in one and be like, that's really expensive. And you're like, yeah, man, like I know where we're going right now. Like if I can't convince you to spend a dollar a day on something that's like a really important tool in your progression, it is going to be even harder for me to convince you that you need to lay down at nine o'clock at night if you want to wake up at five. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you got to, and you got to get the sleep. And if you, you know, you eat like shit, um, you're just not going to feel good. You might, I, I, I am a huge, huge, uh, <laughs> example of people that outwork a bad diet. Like I do not have a good diet, but I know that when I don't eat well, um, I don't feel good. Yeah. And you know, I push through Same. that, but yeah. <laughs> I always know better. <laughs> you got to live a little bit too. So like guys will like be on Instagram and they'll see, you know, E-STEM machines for recovery, you know, Theraguns, massage, yeah. all this stuff that like is the cool new doodad, you know, uh, you know, uh, Normatec pants, whatever. Yeah. Oh, and they're cool. They really are. They're great. But like with Normatec pants, I thought they were the greatest thing that I'd ever used. But the reason they were great is because they forced me to take a 20 minute nap in the middle of the day. Cause I'd go sit in a chair, put Normatec pants on and they put me to sleep. And then I'd wake up and I'd be like, man, I am so refreshed. That's because I was getting sleep that yeah. I desperately needed. And, you know, people will spend that money on a tool and think that it's, you know, I'm going to do all these things that make me greater, but they won't just change their schedule to sleep. So we spent a lot of time trying to kind of drill that into guys. Uh, the new app will be a lot more integrated into your smartphone. So there'll be like reminders trying to keep you like on a, on a more reasonable circadian rhythm. Um, just kind of more holistic fitness. I know that, um, does it match the individual in their current, like, do you put information within it that says, you know, like, me, I'm broke. I'm a veteran and here's my issues and this types of things. And you could tell a program that says, okay, you might want to, you know, like I'm intermediate or I'm a beginner or I'm a, I'm getting like really deep here, but I'm saying, no, yeah, you know, yeah. The ability levels, it, it will be much yeah. more personal is in that aspect. I think that it's yeah. worth noting that, um, <laughs> I think we've all, the 21st century, 20th century, both have really programmed us all to believe that we need a personalized experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm hurt. I need something. Well, there are certain things that you probably shouldn't be doing as someone who's injured. But the reality is that like template programming for most guys is sufficient. Just understanding scaling and substitution is really like the big thing, which people pay to go to a gym where they should be getting advice on scaling and substitution, but typically just get peer pressured into working harder and yeah. injuring themselves more. Right. Um, and you know, that's a different issue altogether. That's, I mean, the big thing there is I think that is it, we're going back to self-awareness, right? Which is to say, like, if you want to be better, you have to understand your own limitations. And when you understand your own limitations and you hold yourself to it, I mean, you can push 
little steps and get better, but you're not just going to show up like it's, it's the young people on the internet. I mean, I'm going to sound so fucking old now, <laughs> but I mean like you get on the internet and you see a bunch of kids flexing, uh, like rental Ferraris and rental Lambos and, you know, Gucci belts and they're blowing all their discretionary income on, on like lease shit. You know, it's not theirs. They just want to look rich because they think if they look rich enough, they'll get an opportunity to actually make more money as an influencer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey man, like, I mean, I get the game, but the jig's up. Like people know what the deal is. You can't buy followers. It's, it's much more transparent now than it ever was. And you actually have to put in the work and you actually have to build influence. I mean, I have only 14,000 followers on Instagram, but like if I push something on my account, people assume it's real. Cause I'm not out there just, you know, I don't get big deal contracts from Nike. Like these shoes are the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish I did, but I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but because of that, like people pay attention. I think like micro influencers, people who stay true to themselves, uh, do a lot better in that space. Um, I think that again, like getting good is a long, is a long-term process at anything you want to be good at. You don't just every, we've, we all want to believe that like we innately are good at something. Um, and that like, we're just going to find that thing we're innately good at and we're just going to stumble into it and it's going to click and we're going to be the best. And that's not it. You know, it's like, it's a repetitions game and it's a practice game and it's like minimizing distractions game. And, you know, there's a reason that there's never been a middle Eastern army that's taken over the world. It's because they believe that God has given them abilities and they don't need to practice. And, you know, like that's just not the case. And we've demonstrated that pretty consistently. I mean, uh, if, if occupying was victory, we would not be winning, <laughs> but we do a really good job of taking out the low hanging fruit really consistently because they just don't practice. Um, and so I, you know, when they tell guys like, Hey, if you want to be good, you got to practice like video game guys, they're good yeah. because they play that's video games. Yeah you know, 80 plus hours a week, Yep, they get good at it and it just becomes second nature. Um, race car drivers drive fast, uh, guys that shoot a lot, shoot a lot, but you're not going to go. I, I love basic training. Every kid who was like, who grew up with a rifle is like, yeah, I'm gonna do great on my qualification thing Yeah, because I can shoot a rifle. And then they don't realize that the pop-up targets have all been shot to shit. And yeah. the gun that they get has like a six minute of accuracy because it's shot out. <laughs> And they go to the range and they're like super disappointed that they just barely qualify. And you're like, no, man, the game was set up that way. (laughs) But if you eat your Wheaties, say your prayers and practice, then you will get better. And like, it's a, you know, it's a gradual uphill slope and you'll get there, but it doesn't happen overnight. Um, You know, that failure article I wrote, I joined the army at 130 pounds. Um, I thought I was tough as fuck. I was 23 and like young, dumb, super full of cum. Just, you know, just, I was like, yeah, I'm older than all these other kids at basic training. I'm the wise one. No, dude, I was dumb as shit and super arrogant. And like, I had a lot of lessons to learn. Um, but I mean, I thought I had something to offer the army and now I'm like, you know, 16 years in and I look back and I'm like, okay. So, um, the system (laughs) set me up to learn a lot of things gradually, the crawl, walk, run. And if I had recognized that earlier, I think I could have reduced a lot of stress. No no panic. You know, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I was in the Q course, every single phase was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Yep. And I was in like 
fucking fight or flight mode. Yep. Like, am I going to make it? Do these dudes want me? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And if I had just calmed down and been like, Hey, what is, what is the basic task? What do I need to do to get better at this basic task? Instead of like trying to go like, Hey, are we going to secrets tonight, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yep. this is our first day out of the field. I'm going to go blow a month's pay at secrets or sharkies. Yeah, bro. I mean, like you, yeah. you thought you had to do that. And I mean, I was still going to the gym. It was, they like came with a package. Yep. You know, like you're supposed to be that guy. Live fast, die hard. Yep. Get shoveled into a, a exactly. hole with a pretty corpse. <laughs> yeah. And you're, just li- and you're living on fear and your youth, the energy of your youth. Which I guess brings to another mental bandwidth point, which is to say, I mean, I'm pretty proud of how far I've come, which I, I know another real struggle in this community, in the military, is uh, I think a lot of guys don't like themselves. Um, that what drives us to do well is a fear of rejection and an innate programming that you're like, man, I'm not good enough, but I'm going to show people that I'm good enough by accomplishing these things. And then once I get this thing under my belt, people may respect me or look up to me or think better of me. And if other people think better of me, then I can think better of me. Mm -hmm. And that may not be something that is being spoken out loud in people's heads, but that is definitely the dialogue that's happening subconsciously. Oh yeah. And I think it's funny because the fight or flight, the, um, the wait, so I'm going to do a total mind blank right now. Is it, that's uh, the sympathetic state, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like the fight or flight sympathetic state is, it's just, you're stressed constantly and Mm -hmm. you may be performing to a minimum standard or even above minimum standard, but you're not performing to your maximum potential. And um, George, who I guess has been on here. I didn't even George know. George Briones. Yeah, Briones. When and, he and he's been on on and off for about four years because you said he's been there for years. Yeah, I, I love George. He's been yeah. he's been with us since day one, man. Yeah. I mean, George is a great dude. Um, but I know George was, when he came and started working for us, he was like a really, really accomplished Olympic weightlifter, powerlifter. Like, he's a really strong, jack, big dude. And at some point a few years ago, he decided he was going to become an ultra runner. Like, no, that's yeah. not a transition people yeah. make, right? And I made fun of him and whatever else. And like, all my workouts, we've always said, like, well, it's just Doug can't, I can't scale. Like, I'm just out the gate like a rabbit. And like, I'm just going to suffer through whatever the last part is until it's over. And like, I thought that was good enough. Like this is me performing my maximum potential. And, um, on, I don't know, my last deployment, I think I decided I was going to, I wanted to get into more, um, endurance stuff, not to be an endurance guy, but because I realized it was an area of my life that I just didn't, it was very imbalanced. Just lifting a lot of heavy stuff, doing some sprints, but it didn't feel very good. And, um, it really was highlighted by the fact that like my maximum heart rate's like 207. Yeah. So like I would go on a three mile run and I would be pegged at like 190 or 195 the entire time. Yeah. And I'd feel fine, but like I'd look in the mirror and I was like super flushed and like a red face and people were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. What's yeah, the deal? Great. Go get a couple EKGs just to make sure I'm not dying, you yeah. know? And you know, my <laughs> medic's like, ah, I think you're all right. And he's like, it's just normal. You must have just a higher than average heart rate, which I mean, I suppose I've programmed myself to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Weird. But um, George really leaned on me to do a training cycle where I was doing a lot of like, um, solid state, uh, like low threshold cardio, which is mind bogglingly boring to me. Like I, I couldn't run and keep my heart rate low enough to actually do that. So I started getting like a stationary bike and I started cycling, which I used to make fun of guys on bikes all the time. Like bikes are stupid. And then I got on a bike 
It's a whole new world, a whole new set of muscles, too. Dude, I don't know what it was. I was losing. I I got on Strava because you have to compare yourself to other people. You can't just do something to not. I can't just do something to do it. I got to see where I stack up. Right. And 80-year-old women are beating me at every segment I'm in on a bike, you know, like, and it's just humiliating. Bottom 10% of every Strava segment. Yeah. But I mean, like, the thing was, it didn't matter that I was slow. I had so much fun on a bike. Like, just, I was like, man, I feel like a kid again. Like, I'd be catching myself, like, an, you know, an hour ride, which I'd never thought I could do an hour cardio. And I'm like, just grinning, like, I'm smiling, like, on the bike. I'm like, this is a lot of fun. So I started riding a bike more. Yeah. And then I started noticing that, like, because I was doing training intervals where I wasn't, like, I was like keeping my heart rate at 140. Um, and like, it didn't feel like I was doing anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was resting more and I was not putting as much of a focus on like just balls to the wall, physical performance. Um, magically all my lifting numbers started to go up and really? yeah, like my lifting numbers started to go up. My runtime started to come down. My heart rate was starting to come down, um, oh. on what I viewed to be low effort things. I mean, I was starting to hit PRs on runs and rides where my overall effort was decreasing. I mean, I was going out for a recovery run or ride and still running faster than I had ever run at race pace just because I was taking myself out of this like constant stress place. And I mean, I did one of our long hybrid cycles, like the, you know, kind of strength and stamina combos. And uh, when I got done, test week came around and I was like, um, like, first of all, the 18 weeks that I took to finish this cycle um, were the best 18 weeks of training I've ever done in my life. I'm just, I never felt like I worked out. It was, I never worked out more than an hour a day. Um, I never, there was never a day where I was done a workout where I was like, man, that really smoked me. It was always like, there's sometimes that the movements were weird and I didn't feel comfortable with it. But in general, um, like I'd be done. I'd be like, well, that was a great day. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm going to get fat now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, I got done and I jumped back into one of my old strength cycles. Cause I was just like, why not? Why wouldn't I? Yeah. And I, and I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, oh, I got a long way to come back from, because I've just taken this long period of time off from like real training. And because our app compares your old numbers to your new numbers, I'm going in and hitting what, I mean, I'm like five pounds off from a lifetime PR on, you know, my lifts and I'm way better at like overhead stuff. I've always been weak overhead, but because my movement quality is better and I'm more relaxed, like All all of a sudden, you know, and I don't know what it feels like to have an injury now, I mean, I'm, you know, almost 40 and I'm going in and working out and I don't feel strained or stressed and yeah. I'm hitting numbers that I was hitting when I was like, you know, 30 when I was training and I'm like, uh, seems low effort. I'm yeah. not, and I'm consciously not pushing. Like when yeah. I get to the point where it's, cause we, we don't really deal in one rep maxes either. Like maximal effort stuff is really, you know, when we were younger is like, this is a recipe for for injury, yeah. but I don't care. And right. now I'm like, Hey, an injury will put me out of the game for a really long time. Maybe right. never get back in it. Right. So when I feel like things are getting heavy, I'll just stop, you know, I'm like, okay. And then I'm putting the numbers in thinking to myself, well, that was a lackluster performance. And then I look at the numbers from three years ago when I thought I was super strong and I was way heavier. And I'm like, um, how are these numbers the same or, or higher or, you know, I mean, very close depending on what the lifts were. Right. And then even worse, like going and running and being like, I mean, I always worried about my runs on the PT test. 
especially when I started to try to put on muscle to keep up with the big boys. Yep. And like I was fast when I was skinny. Then I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to just hang in there at like a 90% and yeah. hope that I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm like, I'm, I'm running faster than I've ever run in my life. And I'm 50 pounds heavier than I was when I was running that fast. And wow. yeah, That's incredible. It's just consistency and well, yeah. giving yourself rest. What was the, yeah. So what was it that George actually put you on? So somebody is listening, you kind of, you hit it. And so we, this is, I guess, going back to the, like grinding your, your dick in the dirt thing. Right. So like when we came up, I was following programming from like mountain tactical, like Rob Shaw, like you were looking at all these guys and everybody in the Q course was trying to outdo each other and how hard they were training. You know, it's like, Hey, if you want to make it, you got to push hard. You got to do this stuff. And most guys capacity isn't ready for that kind of a, you know, a workload. Um, it's just, you know, you're frying yourself and you open yourself up for overuse injury, which I didn't understand until, you know, I mean, two years ago, yeah. maybe. And even then I didn't put into practice until this year. And, um, I mean, things that, you know, academically don't always get applied <laughs> to your life. Um, but you know, I mean, the volume of stuff that we were doing was, was a big off put to me at that point anyway, like I'd rather go to the bar and chase pussy than like spend three hours a day in the gym when I first started this. But if I was going to spend three hours a day in the gym, it was going to be like slinging weights, trying to get big yeah. and, and reducing my range of motion and my actual, like, you know, my general physical preparedness. And, um, George put me on a cycle that essentially a lot of our workouts originally juggernaut, all those other big popular ones probably take guys a couple hours and it's 90 minutes to 120 minutes to finish a workout. And that's with like programmed rest, you know, like talking about like how quickly you cycle through things, you get your warm up, like your prehab, your strength, your stamina segment, and then some kind of like, you know, accessory work or a post tab, you know, rolling it out, stretching afterwards. Um, it's a lot of work and, you know, it takes a lot of time, but that's really people complained. I mean, we used to program five days a week of work and people were like, why well, pay for a program? you know, where's my sixth day? And you're like, cause I only want one day of rest a week. All right. So now we had to go back in and write in an active recovery day. <laughs> like we give them six days of programming, but we are like fooling guys into doing something that was actually good for them. Like, you know, right, like, like, go for a run at a conversational pace. You know, yeah. what does that mean to most guys? Most guys don't know what a conversational pace run is. It's like, <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So I've been doing workouts like that. I was pre-programmed to be like, Hey, I'm going to take two or three hours to go to the gym. And we started to deal with a lot of customers who didn't have that time. And George was programming shorter time modality stuff. I got really burned out on my last deployment with the gym and we didn't, we weren't working very much. And I mean, most of what I did was gym, you know, like yeah. gym tan laundry stuff, stuff. Right. And, um, after I did one of our full, like full 120 minute a day cycles, I was just like, you know, man, I'm just going to do an hour a day one. Cause we do now we have, we did um, an hour or less, and then we did some like garage gym type things that were like 30 or 45 minutes mm -hmm. and kind of squeezed everything in because people wanted to be done more quickly. It was like right. a lot of complaints we had from people that were quitting the, the app were like, it's, the workouts are too long, I don't have time for this, or I don't have the equipment. Those are like the two most common complaints. So we simplified and did some like lower equipment, lower time constraint. But George put together this hybrid, um, like really long kind of like stamina strength combo program that, um, I mean, it was no more than an hour a day and, um, it was called Zenith. That's the name of the program. Um, it's up on our, it's up on the app if you ever want to use it. But I mean, like I, 
was pretty life-changing in a variety of ways. Um, we, it was also weird because I think the common common knowledge amongst, well, commonly accepted wisdom, it should be how I put it, not common knowledge, um, is that if you want to be better at something, you do more of it, mm-hmm. right? So like mm-hmm. it used to be like, hey, you're going to yeah. go to selection, you better ruck. And now we know like loaded posterior chain, it's like eccentric, uh, cycle stuff like rucking is really destructive to your body. It's not good. It doesn't build you yeah. up. It doesn't make you better at it. No, it's an evaluative tool. It's like you want to be good at rucking. You have to be because that's a, that's what they're evaluating you at. But you can build the muscles and the muscular endurance for that doing other things that aren't destructive to your body. The same way, I mean, you don't have to run to be a better runner. I mean, your form matters some, but really it's more about like cardiovascular capacity, work capacity, and you know power output. So, um, on Zenith, there's no, um, there's, you don't do the same cardio any day of the week. It's a three and three split. You do three days of cardio, three days of strength. Um, so like on, on my stamina days, I'm literally, I was doing a 45 minute run, uh, some sort of 45 minute row, uh, like usually some sort of intervals rowing. And then, uh, the third day was, uh, some kind of bike, you know, like, uh, just programmed differently every week. And, um, then your strength stuff was unconventional classical movements. Like instead of doing like doing um, uh, conventional deadlift, you did sumo, which I hate. I did. Yeah. I mean, I every day we did sumo. I was like, this is so dumb. I don't like it. Um, you know, close stance squats instead of regular stance. But you are working a lot more um, like kind of stabilization muscles in your primary lift movements, and um, it was just good. I mean, it was not, not never. I think the whole time I was doing it, I was asking myself, like, it, sh- it shouldn't be this easy. I mean, it shouldn't be. Um, I, it's what I kept telling myself. Yeah. And yet I would be able to, you know, I was never hammered so hard that I was restless when I slept. I, you know, was, I was also very cognizant of the fact that since I was only working out an hour a day, I was forcing myself to go to bed early. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, um, going through the divorce at the time, I was emotionally stressed a lot. And I knew I didn't want to stack stress. So there were days where I was like super frustrated or tired. And I just be like, you know what? Not today. I'm going to do, I'll do that workout tomorrow. And um, so it actually took me much longer than I was actually supposed to take to finish the cycle. But doing all that together really, I mean, it made a huge difference. And so I tell guys, you know, guys are like, man, I'm just, I'm in there every day. I'm hammering it. And I'm like, dude, I know you don't want to hear this because it's your stress relief. But like, you need to meditate you need to find something to do to take up the time that you would have filled with the gym that leaves you feeling refreshed and refocused that isn't just killing yourself in the gym because it's not, you know, I mean, and we get plenty of criticism about it. When, when I talk like this, guys are yeah. always like, well, fuck that dude. He doesn't know, like, you know, you got to do overload. And you're like, yeah, no, for sure. When your body's ready for it. But yeah. most of us are not ready for that are the other things that we do in our lives make it so that our body's not primed to perform at its peak and that's really what being a tactical athlete's all about is that like if if we modeled the way we trained after professional sports we'd be super fucked because those dudes know the day and the time that they have to go out and perform at a peak level and like you don't know when you're going to have to perform at a peak level. It's usually when you're freaking, you know, adrenaline is dumping and you're in superhuman mode, you're stressed, you're scared, like things are getting weird and yes. you have to perform, but you need to be ready for game day. 
yeah. any day of the week. Perpetually, perpetual fitness. Which means that you can't be stressing yourself in your CNS to the point of failure during your training all the time and expect to put out, you know, at a high level when you need it. You need to be, you know, you need to be doing this undulating training that's leaving you kind of fresh to perform yeah. when you need to perform. But guys don't want to hear that. Well, they don't. Well, and it's, it hasn't been that way. Yeah. You know, like the idea was you go and get crushed. Yeah, short infill tonight. Well, oh, let's hit legs. So we make sure that our legs are nice and smoked. Yeah. Like, but, you, you know, we're, this is where you get into the mental toughness game too, which is mm -hmm. to say, like, you know, we program guys not to quit, which has uh, advantages and disadvantages and other things we do in our lives. Um, yeah. But the reality there is like, we don't program people to be stupid. I mean, not, we don't verbalize that. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not acknowledging <laughs> that. Yeah. We're not consciously programming you to be stupid. But. Yeah. But we are in a lot of ways, consciously programming guys to be stupid. Like we yeah. don't manage our personnel. Well, um, guys who do well, who work hard, get rewarded with more hard work. Um, guys that don't work hard typically get shamed and get like marginalized and pushed off. They don't get mentored and grown into guys that carry their share of the load. Um, and hey, that is a thing that, I mean, we could probably dive into a different podcast about whether that's a good thing or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, all these things have its, you know, some of the old ways they have their place and they have their reasons. They were useful, but we know more now. And well, and we uh, are, let's be pragmatic. this is much like the idea that like social security, <laughs> this is a side, sidebar, but it has a good point, right? When social security was enacted, we didn't expect people to live to nine years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, start drawing at 60 and, yep. uh, you can, you can draw retirement for 30 years. We didn't expect people to live this long. And we definitely in like in Vietnam, when Mac V. Sog was a bunch of like hard dick 19 year olds who were, they belonged in an insane asylum, yeah. not necessarily, you know, <laughs> no like lie. a professional military. Yeah. yeah. Like those dudes are hard as fucking woodpecker lips, but they were also yeah. fucking lunatics. And 100%. like they were on fucking straight up speed mode for a year time on yeah. Vietnam deployments and then like coming home and like readjusting and just yeah. being like just fucked. And, up. That, and, and uh, the combat lifespan of those. Individuals one, was what one year, one year, twelve operations maybe. If you're uh, real salty, or I mean, I think some of those dudes did a lot more than that. You yeah. listen, I'm like, holy shit, man! Like, that's what, I mean, maybe it's not a real war like World War Two, but when you talk to dudes from Vietnam, I mean, especially yeah. the dudes in like Mac V Sog, you're like, yeah. holy shit! Like, yeah. this is getting, this is getting it. it. It's insane. Yeah, but I mean, we are talking about dudes that are going to be engaged in some level of combat operations for twenty plus years. I mean. There are dudes that I'm aware of managing MS at tier one units in their fifties who are still on the X working. Like they're managing yeah. like degenerative disease mm -hmm. yeah. in physical shape, doing their job at a top, like a, a, you know, the best of the best top 1% of the top 1%. Well, how many, how, how many people are dealing with, you talk about degenerative disease, degenerative disc disease is like your you just get that automatically in the military now, pretty much. I don't know. I'm healthy. Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, the point is, right, that like we're talking about like guys come in thinking they're an expendable resource and they're going to be young and fresh forever and they run at it like, you know, on jet fuel. And then right. they wonder, you know, you're like, hey, man, this is a long game. It's a long con. And like you want to be in it for a while because, I mean, whether you like it or not, young soldiers are not good soldiers. 
Like it doesn't matter how hard you are. It doesn't matter how, how strong or fast you are. You don't have the wisdom or like we talked about the mental bandwidth, right? Like the young guys are coming in and like, yeah, maybe their reflexes are quicker, but they're thinking about a hundred other things that Mm -hmm. a guy who's done it a hundred times isn't thinking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, uh, when, I mean, when I jerk off, I don't have to think about if I'm going to get an erection or not. You know, like I'm like, there it is. And it's going to happen. And I can think about all the things that matter. Yeah. Like, um, that's like it's subconscious shit. We want to program guys to be good at something subconsciously so they can focus on the unknowns because we don't know, like there's a ton of unknowns right. in every situation. We spend a lot of time talking about how good we are at planning because if we plan for a ton of contingencies, we are at least ready for those. Yeah. Even though we're not ready for the, you know, the other things that we yeah. didn't. The things that are probably going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, like, shit, man, I had no idea that was going to fucking happen. That was crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, luckily you didn't have to think about the hundred other things that did happen that you had yeah. planned for that you knew how to react to. So it's the same thing with, like, you know, our physicality, right? It's like, hey, you become better year over year in any profession you're in. And I think one of the things that we in the West fuck up is, like, we put a real... Uh, priority on on new young fresh minds and in you know eastern culture um like we uh, eastern cultures really revere old people they they're not useful anymore physically but like they definitely they did their time they did things and the wisdom that they bring to the table is something that like should be considered by the younger generations at, you know, so they don't repeat mistakes. Exactly. Well, especially in a combat situation, military situation, because mistakes are so costly and the margin of error is so small. Uh, yeah. I mean, God, it's so much about luck too, right? Oh, yeah. Like, that's the one yep. thing. Guys don't want to talk about it because, yeah. like, the certainty that you're the best continues to let you make huge wagers with your own life and health. But, yeah. like, luck, man. Yeah, you still Timing. just got to be lucky. Yeah. Shoots got open. I, yeah. You know? That's, that's, I don't even like to think about that. <laughs> You're still jumping. Man. Yeah. I don't no, have to worry no, about that shit not, anymore. Not really. Like, I'm, I'm going to do as little of that as is humanly possible. Um, again, it's smart. There's young guys out there and they're trying to jump as much as possible because they want to get that. Got to get that wreath, baby. Yeah. Because that's going to matter. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, I'm, it's funny. I think when I was younger, I was afraid of getting old and now I'm like, I'm older, but I don't feel old at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but younger guys are like, Oh man, like we had some seals in our team house the last deployment and they were like, we were, I was giving them some shit about something and they were like, yeah. And I expected them to be salty about it. And the guy was like, you know, we really look up to you guys. Cause like you've been doing this for a long time. I was like, well, first of all, back up. I'm going to get my recorder out. <laughs> I was like, secondly, like, I don't feel old, you know, like, but I, I guess, I guess I am, but like keeping a record of how far I've come, um, you know, mentally, I, you know, it's like I said, I was talking with my, my ex-wife on the phone on the way up here and she was like, I'm so glad that we're both not the same people we were in 2010. And I like, like kind of chuckled to myself. I was like, man, when I think about that person, like, I'm a little embarrassed and like, I don't feel like it's the same person that exists today. Um, I mean, I hope <laughs> that other people get that same feeling. Um, but I mean, like my personality is the same. I'm pretty indomitable. I, I've had this fucking mouth since I was a, you know, a young lad and, um, a wise SF guy who I'm still friends with when I was an E4 told me, he's like, you know, you're going to grow into that mouth. (laughs) He's like, but right now 
nobody wants to hear anything you have to say. He's like, uh, people are going to really like you one day, yeah. but uh, it's not today. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yeah. what the fuck, man? You talk like this. You guys like, I'm just, I'm emulating the guys I want to be like. And they're yeah. like, yeah, man, you kind of earn your yeah. right to be the lippy, arrogant, the, you know, cocksucker that gives people a hard time. And when you're that, when you're an E4, people are like, shut the fuck up, newbie. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And so like, I mean, growth is one of those things where like, I, I think it's important to know where you came from, but like, if you spend a lot of time worrying about who you were and the mistakes you made, you're yeah. going to be paralyzed to grow and move forward. So like I tell guys, like I, for us, like at softly, I know that a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people feel like there's too much of a priority put on physicality and that like fitness isn't that important in the military that like job proficiency is. And, and my argument would be, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you're a truck driver or a pack clerk or anything like that. Being in the military, you never know when you might have to be the person yeah. to do something, right? Like I've known a lot of guys with soft skill jobs that have earned silver stars in yeah. like very, very stressful situations because they just did the right thing. Yep. You know, they were, they were cool under pressure when other people were losing their heads and they did the right thing and they were ready. Like they spent, you know, they, they had spent time preparing and being ready. They did their job. Yeah. And a lot of the job in the military is being physically in shape. I would go so far as to say that if you're alive on this planet, your job, your first priority is to take care of the one body that you get yeah. because it will make everything that you do in this life easier. You yeah. know I mean? I, I am not an Adonis. Like I have abs from poor movement, but like I look in the mirror and I generally like what I see. Like I'm not, right. I'm happy with who I am. It's hard for me to process people that have to spend a lot of time looking in the mirror and not liking what they see, which yeah. I deal with because I have daughters and you know, like I have friends that are self-conscious about their bodies. And I'm like, dude, but you perform at such a high level in other areas who cares what you look like you're right. killing it in this area this area this area physically like i think when you start to prioritize performance over aesthetics uh, you become really comfortable with what your aesthetics look like you yeah. know like, i don't think louis simmons looks in the mirror and is like man i'm a fat piece of shit <laughs> you know <laughs> louis simmons is like how much fatter do i have to get to fucking <laughs> squat one more pound <laughs> you know what i mean right. do i have to eat my mother to gain the one yeah. pound i need to get another pound on my back squat i'll fucking do it because <laughs> louis simmons is fucking savage right yeah all he cares about is that back squat so well, i tell guys it unburdens you too yep you know well, I mean, one less thing you gotta worry about being good at something matter is the chi, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, hey, yeah. man, I'm good at something. It gives you tons of confidence. I think people yeah. struggle with confidence when they're not certain where they fit in the world or what they're good at. And you don't have to be good at everything. Like, you don't have to be good at anything I'm good at for me to respect it. People, I've run, I have friends that are like totally different than me and they're amazing at certain things that I'm just like, and they'll be like, well, you know, I'm not like you. What do you mean you're not like me? You're just yeah. like me. You're good at this thing that you do you crush it and like that's your that's your place man like take yeah. pride in that don't worry about this other thing but i do think <laughs> that the physical fitness aspect does come into play and i don't think that that's like i don't think that that is particularly beholden to any specific like sport specific performance right it's just like hey um can you get out and and run a 5k yeah. um can you get out and you know hike 10 miles to a really beautiful place that you want to go without feeling like you're dying. Like yeah. 
pick something you want to do. It doesn't have to be a competitive thing. And then ask yourself, am I prepared for that? Um, and if you're not, then start working on it. You'll feel better. Yeah. Well, you look at like certain, um, you were talking about earlier, certain Eastern cultures and stuff and what they kind of figured out. I mean, healthy eating, you know, especially, you know, some cultures um, are doing that, but then they also do the meditation. Um, they're doing Tai Chi or something that allows them to do physical movement while also kind of meditating um, and, and those types of things. And I think what it does is kind of give you that balance, that center. Um, I'm curious, though, and I'm going to take maybe bring up something that's really old school, but did you ever hear about a program called Body for Life? Um, man, was there a four? Was it Body with a number four life? I think you're right. I feel like I do, but I don't remember. I it. did that. And I, and when you were talking about what George was doing and everything, now this was a, a program that was centered around two main things, which is kind of what you guys are doing, and that's you know nutrition and working out. Uh, rest is a, is a central part of this as well. And it was a six-day program, and basically it was a one-day, you know, you can be a slob and you can eat whatever the hell you want and give yourself that freedom to do that. And then get back into it for the next six days and you can give yourself one day to do that again, you know, type of thing. Well, it's funny because this is like, <laughs> I mean, we, we argue about like fad diets and stuff all the time yeah. like, and what's cool. Cause you know, the cool kids are always doing something fucking weird. They are. I mean, like I think George is on that, uh, uh I'm going to shudder saying this, but I'm pretty sure George is on that, uh, carnivore diet thing right now, which is like, oh, carnivore all, diet. All, all eat is meat. And you're like, oh <laughs> man. <laughs> I can't get behind that, right? right? But um, I think it's funny that when people talk about like keto and a bunch of other stuff, like I know what the performance goals of keto are, especially like in small doses. Yeah. But like, I think that people that want to lose weight or want to feel a certain kind of way get into those diets because they're calorie restrictive. And with working out six days a week, I think that's really daunting for people. So they'll they'll take a six day a week program and they'll feel like they're fucking married to it. Like we get it and all of a sudden guys are like, well, what do I do if I miss a day? I'm like, well, just do that day the next day. Yeah. Like it's not complicated. Right. Well, but, but do I skip a day and go to the next day so that I'm on track? Like what track are you on, man? Like it's you, right? <laughs> like if you don't feel like working out that day, then don't work out that day, yeah. but then just pick it up. And if you take a week off, you need to look at if like is, am I at a point in my progression where I took a week or two off because I was busy and now I'm jumping back into a test day that's like, you know, trying to hit a three rep max. Do you think that's a good idea? It's probably a bad idea. Maybe wind back a week to start up again. That way you're not in the middle of like a super high demanding, you know, movement pattern where you're like, you're not, you know, primed for that. Right. Right. It's pretty intuitive, but I think that what people forget, like people feel like they have to do it as it's written. They don't want to scale. Right. They don't want to cater it to their own needs. And they lose track, just like calorie counting, where yeah. guys are like, well, I didn't count all my calories. <laughs> I don't know why I'm gaining weight. I'm on this diet. Well, you're not counting snacks or you're not counting something. You're putting more calories. You're, you're gaining weight because you're putting more calories in your body than you're burning, period. That's just how it works, right? And with exercise, doing six days a week is great. Um, but you really only have to do, I mean, I don't remember, I, I read a Body study. Body for Life was like 20 or 30 minutes, I think is yeah, what their workout. Well, and, and I read it, a study, you have to go into the gym. I, it's, it's, this is like just me shooting shit. Like this is totally like non-scientific backed or whatever. I cannot put a link up. But I remember that you had to do something like 3.4 exercise sessions a week to see an adaptation, which basically means you have to do four, right? On average, like there's no, there's no 0.4 right. workout day. Yeah. So like you have to be physically active 
for four days a week to see some sort of change in your physique. And I think a lot of the time people see professional athletes, uh, rich fronings, guys that are like really genetic freaks that'll say, well, I don't follow a program. I just go in and do what feels good. And, you know, we do what we, what we like, what we, what we know, what we want to do. One of the things that I really hate about softly that I love that I hate it because it sucks, but it's also really good for me is that I don't follow my own programs that I've written. I have other coaches that have written other programs and they program things that I don't know how to do. And I will like start a program and I'm like, this fucking blows. Like I'm supposed to be done in 90 minutes, but I'm like trying to figure out what a movement is or how to do it. And the first week I feel like a baby deer, you know, like my legs are all wobbly. And then once I figure out what the movement pattern is, then I start to do it. And I return to old cycles a couple years later and I'm like, Oh, I remember this thing. And I remember what to do. But like the first few weeks, are really disconcerting. So people come in and they'll start doing something new and it's just daunting, you know? And like, it's easy to get to a point where you're like, well, I did it three days this week. That was good enough, right? And you're like, no, man, it really wasn't. You needed to do four, but now you're going to, you're putting in most of the work and you're not seeing a change and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks in, you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this at all. And then they just quit yeah, because they're not seeing the change they want to see. And it's like, yeah, that's why consistency that's where it comes into play. Where you don't have to show up with your A game every day of the week. There right. are days where I just come in and I'm like, man, we're gonna we're gonna phone this one in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I'll do the primary movements. Um, I might just you know blow past my accessory work and then spend you know 30 minutes going through like some mobility, just listening to music, scrolling through my phone, stretching, rolling, whatever. But like it was the relaxation that I needed. It was a reset I needed. And it was some time where I wasn't like balls deep in my computer. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, we are all victims of like a 20 hour a day barrage of information and stressors and outside input. And I think that anything that we can do where we like are consciously unplugging and like kind of working on ourselves, refocusing goes a long way. Um, I don't know what that looks like for everybody, you know? Right. I think sometimes playing Candy Crush is that. <laughs> you know, like, it's like you yeah. get stressed. I, I know when I'm stressed because I'll pull out like Solitaire or Candy Crush and I'll just start playing it. And I'm like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe I should just read a book, you know? Well, I'm somebody that I, I guess maybe it was because of the 20 years in, you know, where you constantly exercise every day and you're doing something PT related that, um, you know, for the longest time, I would do so much better. Once I got into the gym, I would do so much better doing a six-week kind of program or six-day program only because if if I started taking off, they say do a three-day or a four-day, those oh, off splits. days, holy cow, man, I'd have a hard time coming back in. And I, and I have a hard time getting back into, all right, I need to be back at the gym. You know what? Shit, instead of Tuesday, I'll make it Wednesday. Well, you know? I think that we all... <laughs> where at some point or other, all of us fall victim to looking at the work as more work and we don't find joy in, in, in real enjoyment in it. One of the things that's been really nice about COVID, um, most of my hobbies were in some way 
very like performance or stress oriented. They were all scaled and evaluative in some way. Like I got into climbing cause I was scared of heights. Right. Like, I mean, I got put on a mountain yeah. team and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I am petrified of heights. And so like my guys on my team made fun of me for being scared of heights. You got to do something. So I joined a climbing gym and now everything is on the Yosemite decimal system. And like every day I go in and I'm like, how do I suck this bad at this thing? I got to get better. I got to work harder. Then I'm like, stressing my tendons. Cause I'm trying like my, my finger tendons like, Hey dude, can I, can I still go in? Like, you know, what am I doing? Everything is work. Like going into the gym, you're always like, it, it sucks if you show up and like you're lifting below where you want guys want to see like linear progression and it's stressful too. It's a different kind of stress, but it's a stressful thing. And COVID has really taken a lot of that off mm-hmm. and like forced me to get back outside. And like there are days where like, I don't even turn my trip computer on on my, my bike where I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to go ride my bike. And I mean, those are my fastest days, literally where I'm like, holy shit. Like what did, what, what just happened? You know, like I went out, you weren't thinking, yeah, no, I just, I get out and I download it and I go and runs are fun again. You know, I never, I hate running. I fucking hate running. But I, instead of road running, I started trail running in like some local areas and like, I never know what my pace is going to be. And I just am like kind of going out and seeing where trail goes. And like, when I'm done, I'm done. You know, usually it's like, you know, well, I probably should get home now, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I take the dog with me, um, you know, to run with me. Um, I go climbing with friends and like, rather than worrying about how many routes I'm going to send or how hard it is, I focus on like a skill development, like learning a new anchor system or knots or like, are we going to go to a new location? This is a really pretty place. Like who knew that this existed here? Um, those are all things that I think that people, I think that people just lose focus of the joy of living or the joy of an activity. And instead it's like, well, I got to get better. I got to lose weight or I will be happy when this happens. Yeah. And it's just not true. Like happiness, no matter where you are, is a, is a state of mind then like, Hey, I'm choosing to do this thing because I want to get better at it. All right, cool. But guess what? You're not going to be happy when it's over. Um, I, I tell guys that all the time when you talk to guys that want to go to selection, guys are like, I'm miserable at my unit. I hate the people that I'm with. I like, you know, my job sucks. This isn't what I joined the army for. And I'm like, Hey man, listen, <laughs> yeah. SF sucks too. Like you still get to deal with like dickhead leadership. You still got, you can still got idiots that make it through the pipeline that are petty and are going to make you feel a certain way. And like, if you can't be happy where you are or satisfied doing something that you if you can't find value in your work where you're at, it's going to be really hard for you to find it somewhere else. Well, that, that's yeah. a hard and a, and a good life lesson because even when you transition, you know, it's like everything you do. How many young, you guys have a lot, you guys have a lot of like soft guys coming in, right? Oh yeah. They, yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's funny because you talk to a lot of guys, especially guys that get out and they want to tell you, well, the best time of my life, I was the coolest when I was yeah. fucking in, right? Like I, I miss being on a team. Those dudes usually were dudes that bitched nonstop while they were on the team about <laughs> yeah. how they hated SF and they hated the army and it was sucked and it was stupid and that yeah. like they were like they were being underutilized. They were they couldn't wait to get out in the civilian sector yep. and like get an MBA and like do something where they were rewarded for their hard work. And you're like, well, yeah, man, but the attitude that makes you not like it here right now that they prevents you from finding joy in the fact that you're part of like a really cool brotherhood doing really yeah. cool things and doing stuff that you can't pay to do. Like I, 
the, the guys that are on my team, I, I dodged this last Africa deployment because I was inside my dwell. Welcome to being committed to being a guard guy. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, man, I'm cool. But I mean, it was like, that's a choice, right? I had a lot of family stuff going on. And I think if I hadn't had family stuff going on, I would have probably gone on the deployment. But I literally was like, hey, I've got a company that's doing really well and I want to stay here for it. And like my family needs me. I was kind of like, we hadn't decided we were going to get a divorce yet, but it was like kind of looming. And I was like, you know, like I need to be here. I need to not be on this deployment. And, um, you know, those guys were just, you know, like we fucking going back to Africa, fuck Africa. And I was like, dude, I hate to say this, but, uh, I joined SF to go to Africa. <laughs> like, yeah. I lived in Zimbabwe for a year when I was in high school, and like I've always wanted to go back to Africa to do work. Uh, when I contracted there, I fucking had a blast, you know, like swimming with crocodiles in the river, you know, like going for runs through the village and having like kids chase you and like working with your partner force. Like for me, that's what being SF is all well, about. That's what you signed up for. It's rewarding. And you, and you knew him too, and you knew him, Rob. You like, you're about to go out to the field. You're about to go to ranger school, whatever it may be. And they're like, fuck, this sucks. I'm like, but this is the, this is kind of the whole reason we're here. Like the rest of the time, you're just wearing a stupid green suit and you have a dumb haircut. But that brings us to what we were talking about to begin with, which is, I think that when I say that people really struggle with self-worth and like yeah. feeling happy with what they're doing, it's because a lot of people didn't join the military because they wanted to do the military job. They joined the military because they wanted other people to value them for doing I'll the military job. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah. I totally, yeah. like, as I said, like I'm skinny little I guy. I did the same thing. Yeah. I joined cause I wanted to prove to other people that I could do this thing. And then, then people would like me and yeah. I would like myself. Yeah. And what's funny is at 38, I woke up and I was like, Oh, like my life's not that easy in some ways. And it's like really easy in others, but like, I like me and I like my life and I like my kids. And even though I'm getting a divorce, I kind of like my ex-wife, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like things are good and like, I'm happy and I don't have to like do things to make people like me. So I like myself, I can just do the things that I like and, and I don't have to apologize to anybody about it. And I don't have to feel like I'm meeting somebody else's expectations. And I don't know what the watershed moment is for people to get to that point. But like, I think the faster that people can work towards that yeah. and being like, you know, Hey, I'm doing something that I want to do. Um, like, I think that that allows you to have a lot of self identity. That's a lot of maturity yeah. though. I mean, and that, that comes a lot with unfortunately age. So, I mean, for you didn't feel that way probably at 19, no, 20, well, Yeah. I looked at guys who were 35 and I wanted what they had. And I didn't know they weren't happy either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like, man, that guy's got the right truck and he's got the right house and he's got a hot wife and he's got kids and he's got a Rolex and he's got whatever else. And like, those are all the things that I need to yeah, be happy. Like shopping list. Yeah. That's and then I'm like, when I get those things, I'm going to be a happy guy. And then I'm like, wait, I had all those things. And that's a really fragile strategy too, because all of those things are things that can go away or be taken away or fail you. And when you place your sense of self-worth internal instead of external on your, what color your beret is or what you've done in your career or who your partner is and how she looks or whatever it may be, or the, how nice your truck is, like all of that can go away. And sometimes that's out of your control. And sometimes it's because you stepped on your dick, but when your sense of self-worth is internal and it's based on something inside of you, that can't be taken away. And that's, that's, a, that's a lesson that we strength. all have to be reminded of constantly because even when, even when you were saying that I, I I was thinking, uh, shit, that's still me sometimes. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean we all, like, I, I had that <laughs> when I was going through this divorce. I was, like, spending money like a drunken sailor on a bunch of stuff. You know, I like, always had a gun project I was yeah. building. 
or I was like working on, you know, uh, the, you know, a truck or I was, you know, putting together a new rack for climbing or I was shooting a different class in like, you know, competitive shooting. I'm going to start shooting PCC now. Cause like they'll put together the whole rig. And like, once it got done, I was like, shit, what's the next thing I got to work on? Cause like I was trying to distract myself from the fact that like, I wasn't really wanting to face what was going on in my life yeah. necessarily. Like I'm going through the motions, I'm dealing with it, but also like, you know, consumer therapy is, you know, it's like, <laughs> man, the next thing I'm going to get, and you focus on that thing until you get it. And then yeah. you're like, okay, it's not unuseful. No, but it's, know? I mean, it's, it's, a, a, it's a more of a balm than a cure. It's a better coping mechanism than drinking or prostitutes, yeah. but <laughs> it's everything is a similar, yeah. it's in a similar vein, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> Hey, yeah. I'm going to do this thing that'll make me feel better. Yeah. And if that's your gauge though. That's pretty, uh, pretty I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, I mean, I think that is, is a is a as a, a total aside, and I think it's something that has been really good as far as like putting a focus on physical fitness and holistic wellness, like with Softly, is, I mean, when we're in a drinking culture and everybody drinks, and I'm at a point where like I, I mean, I like to drink, but I oddly have a really hard time drinking more than like two drinks. Sometimes I'll have three. But like, it's usually over like four hours, you know, like I enjoy certain kinds of beer. I enjoy like a gin and tonic with dinner or I enjoy a glass of wine. Um, But like the reality is like, that's not an excess thing, but that's not what most of us are familiar with. (laughs) And yeah, most of us are like, Hey, we open the bottle and we kill the bottle Mm -hmm. and then we go to the next bottle. And those kind of coping mechanisms um, are like when they're culturally accepted, it's hard to get away from that as the coping mechanism, but it's really hard to see it as a coping mechanism when everybody's doing it. That's yeah. a very good point because the other part that you mentioned a moment ago is not something that's typical, acceptable, those types of things, but you're right. It, that crux, yeah, that every, thing. Everybody drinks. And if you don't yeah. drink, you're fucking weird. Yeah. And they'll like make you feel like it, it's less bad, I think, now than it used to be. But I mean, like it used to be really like, hey, up. You don't drink. I can't trust you. All right. I, I've said those exact words. Yeah, I have to. <laughs> uh, I've yeah. said those exact words. Me too. Yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things where like, I don't, um, you know, I'm 39. I'm about to be 40. I'm, I guess, dating again, but not really. Like, you know I mean? It's like one of those things where like, it's, I'm, I can date, but now, um, you know, I'm, I'm really aware of what I fucked up in my marriage. And like, I, while I enjoyed being married, I'm not anxious to rush back into it mm-hmm. um, and fuck it up again. <laughs> <laughs> but I do see in the dating pool, both guys and girls, just in how they all interact, I'm like paying more attention now. And I'm like, wow, man, like people are either sober or they are fucking alcoholics. And there is very little in between in it. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? People are, people are sad. Um, and when we talk about like being inter- an internal source of happiness, yeah. uh, not a lot of people have that. No. And, um, I think a lot of people may they may say they do, or they may justify it, or they may like put on a good front, but like, I think a really good gauge of that is like, Hey, how much do you drink? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, maybe you're a sommelier and wine is your jam <laughs> and you just drink a lot. <laughs> but, uh, the reality is like, if, you know, if you're, uh, like I fuck me, man, I like a good Sunday fun day starting to drink at 9am and hanging out with yeah. the dogs outside. But like, if that's like four days a week for you or five days a week, or if, you know, yeah. you're pouring whiskey in your coffee as more than just a, a funny bit gag, yeah. <laughs> I had to deal with that. Uh, we did a bit gag where I answered 
really ridiculous emails from customers dressed up in like a like a um, hound's tooth, like a wool a wool jacket with leather like elbow pads, <laughs> and uh, just basically like talk shit to the people that ask dumb questions. But I like poured whiskey in the in the opening clip. I poured some whiskey into my coffee and then poured some more because it was like clearly I'm gonna need this and yeah. like mixed it up and um, like dude, we had people that were like, can't believe you guys are promoting a toxic culture of drinking. I was like, well. All you saw was one coffee and whiskey, yeah. like, but like people are sensitive to it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I mean, that goes back to like, you know, off, off air when we were talking about like kind of the ineptitude that the military and other organizations handle like sexual assault and other stuff with is, I mean, a lot of that I think is because of a culture of alcoholism where people all feel like they're somehow complicit in the problem because they drink too much, but they don't want to stop drinking because they don't know how to. (laughs) And then they'd also don't want to face what they've done when they were drinking. And then it's just this big downhill snowball. It's just a bunch of people are getting caught up in the avalanche on the way down. If you look at it completely objectively, there's almost no sum game when it comes to drinking and you're in a, you know, a high impact profession where your body is kind of everything. There's just, doesn't do you any good. I'm not a prohibition advocate at all. I think uh, that everybody should be able either. to drink. That should be very clear. Yeah. But I, but I also think that like it's worth noting that like we've legalized um, the consumption of a poison. Yeah. <laughs> but you know like it does make you feel a certain way. Like people sure. enjoy it. Whatever. I get it. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying like I think it is ironic that uh, marijuana is illegal and alcohol is legal. And because of the social mores surrounding both, one is totally acceptable and the other one is like, well, I don't know. Maybe when you get out, you can smoke it. Um, But like, you know, you're going to go to jail if we catch you with it. And you're like, "Um, there's a disconnect here. Yeah, big disconnect. I think if you imagine just a thought experiment, you do a one for one swap, cannabis for alcohol. What does the military look like? Like how many... Look at Canada. Canada's allowing it. Well, I mean, I guess we could look at Vietnam. Well, that <laughs> too. We had both. You had you, that both. They handed out Budweiser's and get a little, yeah. get, get, get a little get shotgun some. charge. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's not to advocate one or the other. It's more just to talk about the hypocrisy of the whole thing, to right. be like, hey, how far from the mark are we falling when, like, right. we pay lip service to caring about, like, our human capital? I mean, yeah. that's, again... I want to beat a dead horse. Like softly has a fitness app that like is only like a, it's an all in one solution to a whole variety of problems. But like we're saying that like we want to put our money where our mouth is. Um, like I've never, I've, I've always felt like a shill pimping a product that I like worked at. I'm like, Oh yeah, I just kind of worked there, you know? And like, and I recognize like I'm an owner of the company. So like I have, I mean, I'm supposed to say nice things. Um, I will fucking own our shortcomings all day long. Like we are fucked up. We are like learning as we go. We are entrepreneurs. We've made more mistakes than, than right answers. It just so happens the right answers have happened at the right time. And like, here we are, you know, doing Mm -hmm. good stuff for people. I, I still, if there's an ounce of imposter syndrome less left in me, which I spent most of my adult life going through, like I was worried I was going to wake up one day and people were going to realize that I wasn't what they thought I was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, Oh shit, somebody's going to fucking out me. Um, I definitely do still wake up every morning wondering when someone at Yusasak is going to realize that we are irreverent 
like shithead NCOs and that they should stop saying nice things about us in the halls of the puzzle <laughs> palace. Like, and, cause like every time I go up there and talk to them, they're like, Oh, you guys are doing great things over there. I'm like, Oh, good. you, you clearly haven't watched the video or shit all over the army. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, oh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. You know, like, <laughs> um, like I'm just certain at some point people are going to be like, Oh man, you mean that company that's just a bunch of NCOs just shitting on the officer corps and telling yeah. everybody, that like they're doing it wrong and saying that the army's fucked up. Yeah, man, like those guys, whew, we should not fucking like those guys. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised, uh, like a uh, plug for another guy uh, that you guys should have on here, uh, Jeff Dardia. Yeah. Uh, you know Jeff at all? No. Jeff's, yeah. uh, he's, he was at 18 Bravo, um, 18 Fox, he's 18 Zulu now, who started uh, the Soft Health Initiative. Yeah. Um, he does a lot. He, really before Hunter 7 and a lot of those other guys came to the game, yeah. Jeff was like single-handedly waging a war on like toxic exposures. Yeah. And I mean, Jeff was the canary in the coal mine for like Mefloquin, a um, bunch of other stuff. You know, like he's yeah. just pretty... <laughs> He's not a doctor. We get reminded of that every time we have a video we do with Jeff because everybody's like, these dudes don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, man, it's a couple of 18 Bravos talking about like testosterone. Yeah. We're not doctors. Yeah. We're just talking about our personal experience. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a doctor on here, we'll get a doctor and he can tell me how much an idiot I am. I'm just letting you know, like, this is what my experience is. But um, like, yeah, Jeff has been just, you know, doing amazing things and, you know, slowly but surely common sense rules the day. And, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is something that like organizationally, I don't think bureaucracies really understand. No, it's not even on the radar. No, cause it's like, hey, doing the right thing in small doses to begin with is really hard to yeah. consistently, it's like raising kids, right? Like it's easy to beat the shit out of your kid. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's easy to yell at your kid. It's easy to beat the shit out of your kid. It's easy to be mad when your kid does something bad. It's really hard to like figure out what logical consequences are and be consistent in administering like right. the, the life lessons you want your kid to have. Yeah. And in the army, it's like, we know how to beat the shit out of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. do not know what it's like to be like, Hey, um, like we pay lip service to raising up people by institutionalizing NCOES and by saying like, well, the VA will take care of you. Yeah. Like the VA is fucked up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like <laughs> way to pass the buck motherfuckers. Yeah. We have, we have employed that thousands and thousands of doctors who could be gainfully employed. And if guys were taking care of their own health, instead of being afraid to go to sick call, yeah. we would deal with a lot less longer term problems. Um, if, if more people paid attention when they did their madness, master fitness trainer thing, like I, I don't often give big props to like institutionalized big army things, yeah. but I had to work with some MFT guys, um, over the last couple of years, they, we were talking about, I mean, I was very desperately hoping that the army would gain some sense and try to buy our app, <laughs> you know, for yeah. to, to disseminate it to the masses. But, um, I ended up talking with a bunch of the guys, uh, at the master fitness trainer course and like, they're smart dudes, man. They understand exercise science. They understand programming, but they're like shoehorning, um, NCOs through the program at yeah. a, at a unit level. And guys are getting kind of like the wave tops and then taking it back to their unit right. and acting like they're experts without actually continuing to be educated and you know that it's the, the fail the failure of prt um yeah. the resistance the implementation of the acft yeah. you know i people are resistant to change yep. they spend years getting good at one thing and then you tell them they got to be good at something else and they're like fuck this this is the end of the army like yeah okay yep. man it's always the end of the army 
Yeah. Well, then we'll just keep dumping more billions of dollars into the program. That'll fix everything. Yeah. What is your take on the ACFT? I don't know that much about it. You think it's a good good assessment? I think it's great. Um, yeah. I think that it's funny because like people that don't like it are characterizing it as like, well, a bunch of CrossFitters got together and put together this test. I'm like, well, to be perfectly honest, you're not entirely wrong. But luckily, there's no circus tricks in the ACFT. The ACFT yeah. is like a real gauge of like core stability, anti-rotation, power production. Um, you know, like the exercises that are there are all really reasonable. Um, the trap bar deadlift is not an injury-inducing thing. Um, I think that it puts a focus on general. I, the, the funny thing, and this is a, this is actually, I'm really glad you asked this. Yeah. Our most successful lead generation campaign we've run as a company. I had a wild hair one day. I was like, the new ACFT is uh, it's like going to be a real problem. George, could you put together a super short train-up program for the ACFT to prep people for it so they can like work on things that aren't those movements, right. but like well, aid it, like what you were talking about earlier in your life. Yeah. I, I wanted it to be an indoctrination to yeah. the kind of programming that we do, right? Yeah. But shorter, where like guys see the value in training the way we have people train in the app, so that they would then come and buy the app. <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted to give it away for well, you're free. You're a businessman, yeah. And I want to give it away for free. I yeah. want to get people hooked, and then I mean, it's like the first hit is always free. We're drug dealers. We're not businessmen, <laughs> all right? <laughs> drug drug dealers are the best businessmen in America. Um, so like, I'm like, yeah, man, give them the first hit free and then we'll get them in and they'll see what we do. And it's super funny. This brings me to the MFT thing, which is to say those guys from a, from a philosophical exercise science standpoint, they will not write programs to prep for a test because it goes against everything that you're supposed to be doing, which like for when it came to the APFT, right, there were all these things that they said you were testing, you know, middle distance runs, blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. Um, but you really weren't testing anything that was applicable to most of your, like your, most of your job. Sure. What I love about the ACFT is that it should, in theory, force people to train general fitness and, you know, actually focus on getting stronger and producing more power and being more injury, like, or less injury prone, more bulletproof, right. whatever, right. As, as, you know, as soldiers. The problem is that, like, there's this big gap between, because people now see it as the APFT where they're like, well, we just have to get good at these things, these yeah. new tests. We got to be good at those. And you're going, no, man, like, not really. Like, we don't want right. you to just do those movements until you get better at them, we'd like for you to start training a general fitness regime that prepares you to show up for this test that isn't doing, it's not testing anything specific. It's testing different attributes that we want to see in you fitness wise that if you were generally fit, yeah. wouldn't be a problem at all. And you know, like maxing it yeah. is, is a challenge, especially since there's so many events stacked together, maxing, it's going to be problematic. Um, but it's really hard to fail it. And yeah. the people who are failing it are failing it because it's highlighting a total lack of core stability, which is contributing to a ton of back injuries in the injury in the, right. in the army. And you're going fucking, do you guys not see the writing on the wall here? Like, yeah. it's not that the test is broken or that it's, you know, like this CrossFit shenanigans thing that like is, was born in a cult of exercise is that we have a, a generally unhealthy, mm. unfit population. Like, oh, are they more fit than the rest of America? For sure. Yeah. But is their fitness transferring to injury prevention in their regular lives? And if we looked at the ACFT as a gauge of um, like 
ability to resist injury yeah. instead of like a high performance thing, I think people would have a better, they'd, they'd be more receptive to it. But instead the people who are complaining about it are people that like couldn't figure out how to do a single leg tuck and yeah. they don't understand it. It's because they don't have any core strength whatsoever. And like, well, I did great on the sit-ups and like, okay, well that's an evaluation of your hip flexors much yeah. more than it is yeah. your core strength. And you can have great hip flexors. It actually makes you run better, which is why you like the APFT. Yeah. And now we're looking at the ACFT and going, that's weird. You guys can't hang from a bar and lift your knees to touch your elbows one time. Yeah. Do you think that that's a problem? Well, I never had to do that in regular life. No, you're right. It's an evaluation of your ability to do, to, to use these muscles that you don't have and you don't know how to turn on <laughs> and your lack yeah. of those muscles is why when you leave your desk and go do something like open a, a manual garage door, yeah. you throw your back out, <laughs> you know, like put your socks on. Yeah, I do. I'm for seriously, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I am serious. Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah. it's like, Hey, um, the test is great. I mean, it's evaluating real things. Um, is it going to be implemented? I don't know. It, yeah, takes it doesn't a, look like it. It takes a long time to administer it. Yeah. It's, um, but I mean, again, this is just like starting a new exercise program. It's, it's so interesting the way you put that, though, because um, th there's two things that you highlighted there. One is that you're trying to, you know, change the culture within the military to maintain a healthy uh, physical fitness which I would say is not necessarily what the APFT does. It's more about, you know, again, achieving those three events. And so what do we do in PT typically is that we, we get up and we do some exercises to kind of loosen our limbs up. And however fast we can do that, then we take off running, you know. And, and so when it comes time for the APFT, we are pretty much ready to go. But what you're trying to do is not only create a healthy lifestyle that sustains these individuals so that they can do it throughout the course of their career, but also so that it lessens the burden of um, the injury level is lower, not only while serving, but also after serving, well, thereby lowering our VA. It gets so it's, weird too. It's too brilliant though, Doug. They're always going to buy into that. Well, the fitness facilities, the way, the way the military has looked at fitness for so long as like group PT and remedial PT and a bunch of other stuff, like yeah. the way that you need to train to be, to be good at the ACFT isn't something that you do in a group like you can't just do like, well, the company's going to get together and we're all going to do this thing, and then we're going to all we're all going to pass the ACFT together. Why is that? Why can't you do it? Um, well, because it's a lot of like, it's a much more individualized training, right? You might be able to do it in smaller groups, like squad size stuff, but I mean, you'd need way more of those Beaver Fit containers, you know, the Connexes and things like that. And then the real issue there is this accountability thing, which is to say you're putting the responsibility for physical fitness on individual soldiers, you can't like get mad at a second lieutenant because half of his, you know, platoon failed the ACFT because, mm. well, I let them train on their own and they just went right. to IHOP, right. <laughs> you know, like division runs, the general can see what's going on. He gets, yeah. to, are these my men? Are these my men? Oh, look at them. Yeah. Like, look at them running 12-minute miles together, getting fit, being active. If you're lucky, 12 minutes. Pride, pride of America. And you're like, okay, man. I mean, I, just culturally, the idea that the organization can take care of their own fitness is um, it's anachronistic, I think is the right word. I, yeah. It's one of these deals where my last deployment, um, like, I 
didn't have a lot going on. So I was doing like three classes a day and like I led three classes, uh, three classes a week in the CrossFit gym where I was just like, Hey, this is a soft lead programming. Anybody who wants to come and do it can do it. And like, I did my workouts a lot and, um, it was mostly reservist. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to be physically intimidating when surrounded by reservists. Sure. I apologize to any reservists that are listening to this, <laughs> but I mean, I was in there, you know, I mean, 500 pound deadlift and, you know, doing a bunch of like moving a bunch of stuff around weird, weird movement exercises and just, you know, like, you know, hitting, you know, minute, sub minute, 400s, like just out there. Oh, getting yeah. it right. I felt like Rudy Reyes <laughs> <laughs> running, running around the airfield with a gas mask on. People are like, who's that guy? Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the NCOs was complaining to me, one of the reserves NCOs that, uh, she had been given remedial PT guys. And I didn't, I hadn't seen the remedial PT group, but you know, seeing people in the chow hall, I was like, I'm assuming your remedial PT guys are a bunch of corn fed, like corn fed Kansas boys that like yeah. have a real hard time passing the run or sit ups and like, they just want to lift weights. Right. And uh, she was like, yeah. And you know, it's like, I mean, but the commander's like, I'm just going to, you, you're a good runner. You need to run them like four days a week. And I'm like, man, it's not going to get you where you need to be. Yeah. And I was like, how about this? I was like, I'm going to give you access to the app. Mm -hmm. Give me the list of names of all the guys that are in your remedial PT group. And I'll put them on a strength focus cycle that also has running in it. Yeah. You have to promise me <laughs> that you let them lift on their own, like give yeah. them time have them all there, do your accountability, yeah. but let them lift on their own. And then you make sure you hold them accountable to do the stamina portion. Don't just yeah. blow it off. Go out and run your 400s, run your 800s. You only have to run twice a week and it's yeah. not going out and grinding it out. It's like really, dudes are going to be smoked, but it's going to be effort that they can, they can actually put out. It may be slow, but they will do it. And I was like, I can, I can pretty much guarantee you that everybody's going to pass the PT test. And, uh, this NCO's, uh, commander was like laughing, was like, Oh, this is never going to work. This is stupid. I can't yeah. believe like, I'm not going to let you do it. And, uh, then she told him, she's like, well, you know, so our first class key sweater, he said this would work. And the guy's like, well, the, the Jack dude in the gym, like he's always killing it. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, fine. You get, you get six weeks, yeah. let him do it for six weeks. And I was like, man, I don't know if it's going to work in six weeks. Cause there's some, you know, big boys, yeah. dude, their remedial PT group, like went from like 16 dudes to like two dudes wow. in six weeks. And the dudes that came off the remedial PT list were beating like 75% of That's their crazy. units. That's yeah. crazy. Dude, I mean, it's just, just cause they were working out sensibly, right? They yeah. were doing something that was against it, it was something they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. They enjoyed it. And the things they didn't want to do, they were, they were being forced to do that, but it wasn't in such large doses that they were just right. like beating themselves up and towards going to sick call. Like people yeah. that have people that aren't good at running, yeah. <laughs> You shouldn't just be like, well, we're going to do a five mile run and you're yeah. going to get good at it. Yeah. And then that's how you get guys with, you know, yeah. overuse injuries, joint problems. Yeah. Hey, now you went from being shitty at running to being on a profile and like, we're going to chapter you out of the army. And it's like, how is this managing personnel? Like yeah. it, just because a dude's heavier doesn't mean that you should immediately like write him off and get him out of the army. Like they, you can work with those guys. Those yeah. dudes are workhorses. Like they should just, you should change the way you view their training and you're going to see results. I think some of the problem is that, and I mean, and this is, this is a very anecdotal. I again, feel like people who are listening to this are going to get super like, <laughs> well, fuck you, Doug. <laughs> but, um, like 
people that rise to the top in the officer corps in general are fans of endurance running usually <laughs> and like endurance yeah. events. It's what they were good at in college. It was like the focus. It's how they kind of rose to the top and got the commands they wanted because they were, they met the standards the army provided. So for them, they want people to train the way they do. And like, they really don't like the idea of having to change the way they train. And they really don't like the idea when you say, Hey, I hope a stiff wind doesn't fucking come and blow you into like, the next state yeah. and you know like you're you literally are built like a leaf yeah. or alternately there are dudes that stopped PTing a long time ago because they feel like they can pencil whip it and yep. they are hypocrites yeah. and they're like really heavy and they do the walking portion because they're older and then they're yeah. like but when I was younger which is my number one pet peeve yeah. like amongst soft amongst conventional dudes that remember the past in a way that it was not yeah. I'm like, hey, man, you know, the best thing about this off lead app for me is that I can look back and see how things were two years ago, three years ago when I did a cycle. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, maybe I wasn't as strong as I thought I was in my head. I look back and I think like, I've always been really honest with myself. Somebody fucked up by letting me get through selection. You know what I mean? Like, I was not strong. I was yeah. not fast. I just was hard headed as fuck. Mm -hmm. And like, I have never been under any illusion. Like I know now if I went back to do selection, it would be a non-event because my work capacity is great and I do these things all the fucking time. Yeah. But like when I did it, it was really hard for me. And I think a lot of guys forget that. They forget yeah. that things were challenging yeah. at a certain point. And so they see people performing at the, you know, the bare minimum with other positive attributes and they're like, you know, fuck that lazy motherfucker. And I'm like, hey man, let's get your packet out. Yep. Let's see. Let's see what your peers looked like. Let's see yeah. what your run times were. You, it's really easy for you to say that you benched 315 and ran a five minute mile yeah. 10 years ago because nobody's there to hold you accountable or, or say that you didn't. Right. You can remember it however the fuck you want to remember it, yeah. <laughs> but it's not how it was. It no. wasn't that, you know, like I've, I've been in long enough and seen enough people to know that it wasn't like that for very many people at all. And yeah. it certainly wasn't for you sir drinks a lot, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, yep. it's just not true. And I think that we do a great disservice to the younger generations of people coming up to like put an, put that bullshit on them and be like, well, when I came through, it was like super hard. And like, it was, it's the same thing with like guys talking about females coming through and you're and they're like, well, it's going to change everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe, but like this generation is better equipped for it. And, yeah. um, I have unpopular opinions on that as well. So same here. <laughs> I think we should all just shower together. <laughs> the faster, the faster it becomes starship troopers, the faster, like the vagina loses its mystery. Yeah, exactly. Starship troopers. Just yeah. Go for it. Seriously. Right. When, when privates are like, check out the mud flaps on that one. <laughs> and you're like, yep, they're all different brothers. Yep. <laughs> All right, so now it's a good time to transition to where can they find the app again? And So uh, it's actually funny you mentioned that because we were talking with Tom earlier. He's like, it's really confusing to sign on, and it kind of is. Um, we, to clarify if anybody's listening and you want to get on the Softlead app, um, we do all of our billing and sign up for the app on Shopify as the platform, which is our website, www.softlead.com. It's a regular old Shopify platform that we've done a lot of work to, but... Um, in order to, con to in order to keep Apple from keeping a lion's share or taking a lion's share of our revenue, we don't actually sell access to the app through the app. So you can download the app and it'll be like from your website. You know, I mean, download the app from the app store. Oh, from the app store. Yeah, and you get it and you open it up and it's like log in and you punch in your email address and it's mm -hmm. like you don't have an account. Well, of course you don't because you haven't paid for it. <laughs> 
on the store. So like downloading the app from the app store isn't going to get you access to the stuff. Um, if you go to the website, there's a 10 day free trial. It's long enough for you to decide if it sucks or not, or if you're up for it. Um, it will ask for your billing information. And if you don't stop the 10 day free trial, then you will get billed for your first month. <laughs> Just full disclosure. I hate it when people are like, I can't believe I got billed. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't believe we're trying to make money, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like if you go to our website and like it's front and center, it's a, you know, it's a, the training is right there. You just click on it, you fill it out, you check out like you're buying something, but what you're really buying is access to the app. Um, they'll go through the onboarding process. You'll set a password up. And then when you open the app and log in with your email, you'll have an account do not get confused like Tom did and think that signing up for our mailing list gives you unlimited free access <laughs> to the training That's apps. just a newsletter. Yeah, I was like, just a newsletter, Tom. And he was like so frustrated, man. He was like, he kept sending me like screenshots like, oh, why can't I log in? Why can't I log in? I'm like, well, you're, you're clearly on the wrong system because it's two parallel systems, right? Like the username and your password are kept on the apps database and they're cross-referenced from the user data that you input on the store site, but that's like our stuff talks behind the scenes. And Tom was just like, no, no, I signed up for it. I gave my email and I'm like, yeah, but what's your password? I've never gotten to a place where they asked for my password. I'm like, it's because you haven't bought anything. What do I have to buy? And I'm like, oh, membership, <laughs> Tom, <Damn it>. Tom. <laughs> but I, and I wish that Tom was the only person I've ever had to deal with that with because I'm like really public and outward facing. I routinely get emails to my softly account because people figure out that it's Doug at softly. And I get emails like asking oh, see, me, now about, you're going to get a hell of a lot more oh, now. Dude, it doesn't take a genius to figure out like what our domains are. And guys are like, like, Hey Doug, you don't know me, but I have a serious problem with like the threads in my t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, man, they're all t-shirt blanks. I'm sorry. Contact customer service. Maybe you get a new t-shirt. I don't know. I'm, I try to stay as far away from this stuff as possible. They, I was banned from talking to customers because I fired a bunch. I was like, this guy's a dickhead. Fucking don't buy anything from us anymore. You know, and the customer service goes like, Oh my God, Doug, you're not allowed to talk to customers. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I, if, if you're having a hard time and you're thinking about killing yourself, then I will spend an hour on the phone with you in the morning. <laughs> my, my, my ex-wife is always like, who is that? I was like, Oh, just somebody's having a hard time. Do you know him? Nope, I don't. They just uh, messaged me yeah. and then we ended up talking and you know, and she's like, are you getting paid extra for that? I'm like, I don't believe so. I don't think I, <laughs> so I did not get my, <laughs> my licensed therapist thing. You know, maybe, maybe one of these days I'll start a life coaching business, but yeah. nobody wants my advice. I'm like, Hey, uh, how to fuck things up in 10 easy steps. <laughs> a guide to resilience. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. $35 a month. Oh yeah. 35 bucks a month, uh, access to, um, two different kinds of meal plans that are crafted to your macros. So like you can do Very nice. low, low carbs, higher fat, or you can do, uh, higher carbs, lower fat. Um, they're geared towards like whether you want to gain weight, uh, whether you want to cut, whether you want to maintain, um, different body types. Uh, the meals are actually really delicious. Um, my kids have never turned down a single meal that was made off of there, which I mean, that's like the I real yeah, litmus yeah. test, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and we've made some things where I was like, Oh, I don't think this is going to be a home run. And yeah. the kids were like, well, this is pretty good. You should make it again. I'm like, all right. So, yeah, I mean, and you can craft it how you want. The meal plans are 
pre-programmed. So like you, when you log in and you look at the date window, um, it'll show you the meals that are available that week. But if you don't like something that's on the menu, you just click on it and you can exchange it for something else that's also in the system. Yeah. We have nice. thousands of recipes, so yeah. you have a lot of a lot of choices. Wow. Um, and then also when you click on the date range you want to shop for at the grocery store, it'll give you a full grocery list of the actual volumes of food you need to buy. And yeah, so for cooking, so you just go to the grocery store once and get everything and yeah. then come back and meal prep. Um, the programs are all, um, uh, everything we do is strength biased. Uh, they're pretty, pretty core belief that like there's nothing in life that you can't do better by being stronger, but we have, um, you know, cycles that are geared towards guys that want to get into the back country, like prepping for hunting season. Um, we've got, uh, endurance cycles. We got stuff for like triathletes. We have stuff for, um, competitive, uh, sports people like hmm. crossfitters oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, trying to be good at sports, you know, whatever exercising. Um, we got, I mean, we have a really broad breadth of stuff. Um, if you're limited on equipment, we have minimalist programs now that use like, you know, you put weight in your backpack and you use towels and sheets and stuff to kind of get like uh, isometric stuff going. Mm -hmm. Um, we have bands. Um, yeah, I mean, bands are included. Uh, the garage gym program is the one where you kind of step up a little bit more. So like, you'll need like a barbell, a set of dumbbells, uh, bands, a squat rack and a pull-up bar, but that's pretty minimal as well. Um, when you get into like the bigger cycles, that's when you're like, you want to have like a military level gym mm -hmm. um because then you need a lot more i mean but everything's substituted so like if you if you don't have a piece of equipment and the cycle calls for it if you look we have like all the substitutions listed and like what the appropriate scaling would be whether if you if you don't have a skier then what it would look like with an airdyne or a rower or you know if you just want to run every time you know what i mean mm -hmm. um that's all there and i mean the coaches uh, we'll respond to messages in app or if you email them. Um, I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. Like it's a pretty chill job. Everybody wants to work here, but like I get a lot of phone calls at 11 o'clock at night, you know, um, the best part about Apple now is I gated off my bedroom. So like anytime my phone goes on the charger, like I don't get any notifications until nice. like I wake up and leave my room. I was telling Paul, that's what I do. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The best thing. I, really, I don't even think about it anymore, yeah. man. I'm like, I go in there and like, I will like, I'll be texting somebody as I go into my room and then I'll send it and I'll set it on the charger. And then I'm like, man, this person didn't want to talk to me and I'll get it up in the morning and walk out. I'm like, Oh shit. I missed like 15 response messages. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. I mean, it helps to sleep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, we're constantly expanding the offerings. We have some, uh, we have, uh, like seven basic yoga flows on there that are guided with videos and, uh, narration. Um, so like, you know, it's not like you're going to become, uh, a registered yoga instructor from it. But if like, if you want to do some yoga to like calm your mind down and like, actually if you're like, you're bad at meditation, yeah, yoga is like, kind of like active meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, we got that. Um, we have like a lot of mobility programs in there. Um, like I said earlier, we have a shooting program, which never really, it never really took off. We can't advertise it because, um, it interferes with our ability to put ads on Facebook and Instagram, anything oh, that has gun focus. Uh, that's right. But yeah. I mean, they're really good programs. They were developed by a unit dude. Um, and it's like six days a week of dry fire with one, like one live fire drill. And so you're kind of like progressing through skills so that you can maintain like, you know, reload, dry fire, 
uh, malfunction things. It's, yeah. it's, it's actually really, really helpful. Yeah. We had, we had some kid who didn't have access to shooting, uh, didn't have any ammo or range. And he literally did the dry fire program for one 12 week cycle and then went and did a running gun and took first place. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We were like, what? <laughs> like, all wow. right. Yeah. He, okay. I mean, he was a pretty fit dude and yeah. I think that probably helped him a lot. But I mean, that being said, you know, there's quite a few world class shooters out there that yeah. grew up dry firing and, and dry practice is the most important practice. Yeah. In my just opinion. getting reps, man. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I mean, we, we have a broad breadth of stuff we hit. Um, our, our user experience is our weakest point. You know, the product itself is, is airtight, but you're literally talking to a company that is run by, um, Marsoc Ranger SF guys yeah. who are learning how to be tech dudes <laughs> with, with a lot of outside help. <laughs> and like, I mean, I'm honestly, despite all of the struggles and learning how to do tech stuff, like I'm really proud of what we've put together and like, I'm very open to, you know, suggestions and correction and, yeah. and growth. And I think it's funny because people will be like, man, I miss the PDFs. I'm like, Oh, I get it. So do I. Yeah. But also like, there's so much that goes with having the app. Like, Sometimes it's cumbersome, but in general, I think it's a lot more beneficial for people um, and intuitive. It's, I mean, that's our big goal now is like, you know, I never realized that like building an app, the tech aspect of it is one challenge. And then understanding like the user interface, user experience aspect is like a totally yeah. separate thing. Like yeah. what, what should it look like? What should the logic flow? Like what is the next button you hit? You know, how is it easiest for a customer to use it? And it's just like, uh, I mean, I told people for a long time, I mean, to, to kind of like wrap things up, like the thing that was the best part about being an SF guy, um, best part about working at Wellfield, best part about being an SF guy, best part about working at Softlead. I never know what I'm going to do any morning when I wake up. You know I mean? It's like you could write a plan out of all the things you're supposed to do and you're just going to, it's going to be random things. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wow, we got a new problem we got to deal with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great. Um, but I think that, you know, the opportunity for growth and learning is amazing. If, you know, <laughs> if you had told me when I was in college that at some point I would be learning how to do, like how to deal with venture capitalists or like what it looked like to put together a business plan, to pitch a model, to look for outside capital or like to do forensic accounting, to see like how, you know, we've been spending money for the last three years when you're like, oh, you mean we didn't do uh, things we were supposed to do? <laughs> Who knew? You know, or, yeah. or hiring an HR firm, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. like, yeah. like, holy shit. I mean, I know somebody said I should have done that, but I didn't think it was important until it was. Right. And, right. um, I mean, it's really exciting. And I think that, um, learning that has been one of the best parts where it's like, I didn't really want to learn how to run a business or build an app. I just wanted to work out and shoot guns. Yeah. I mean, I get to do those things, but along the way, in order to keep it going, I had to learn the other shit, you know? And yeah. I mean, it's cool. And it's it's really cool to walk into group, like walk into rooms full of people who yeah. really know how to do it and have a conversation and be really candid about not knowing what you'd, you know, be like, Hey man, I really don't know what I'm doing. And then talk with them and then be like, well, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah. like you guys are doing a lot of things the right way. Like they, people are typically pretty like, I mean, Maybe they're too kind, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean, like hey, you go places and you're like, well, this is what we're doing. And they're like, wait, like, that's what you're doing. You're like, yeah. And they're like, wow, you guys are like really, really doing great stuff. And I mean, I don't care if we make money. Um, I mean, it's nice, 
but in the end, I mean, making money is just an excuse to stay in the game. Like, right. We're still, yeah. we're still in the fight. As long as I can look back and say, um, you know, I'm making an impact in future generations lives. As long as we're like providing future operators and soldiers with tools to like be more successful right. and happier. Like or that's sustaining the one that's in. Dude, that's for me, man. Like yeah. it's about happiness. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah. dude, I got great joy out of going to Afghanistan and Iraq and like closing with and destroying the enemies of the United States, <laughs> whatever that, whatever the, the, like the line of verse is. Yeah. I got a lot of joy out of that. Um, I didn't know why it made me happy at the time. <laughs> I have analyzed that some, you know, in therapy and stuff now, but I mean, the reality is, um, you know, I just, I want to help other people be happy like genuinely happy, not like, oh, well, I got, I got my PR on my deadlift and like, fuck yeah. And like, now I'm going to get fat and roll over and die. <laughs> it's, it's more like, Hey dude, like congratulations on your PR and your deadlift. You suck at running. Um, yeah. Yeah. let's fucking shift your focus and give you a real sense of accomplishment that you're working on things you're bad at. And even though you may never be, you know, um, Kip Chogi, you're, you're going to be able to smoke everybody in your platoon when it comes to a release run and then you'll get a free pass over the weekend and you'll meet Mary Jane Rottencrotch and you'll get her pregnant and <laughs> half your retirement will go to her. <laughs> yeah. It's an unintended chain of consequences. <laughs> it's been fun watching you guys from afar, been hanging, you know, looking at you guys uh, on primarily Instagram, social media and watching the growth. And I remember, you know, a lot of the things you guys would do is just posting the workouts on the, you know, the daily uh, post and those types of things. So it's been really cool now seeing it progress as far as it has it's really such a short amount of time I mean, it's been five years now which is yeah. hard to believe i, I know. mean it's when you're having fun five years flies by you yeah. know what i mean yeah. um i i i joke with the guys all the time I'm like you know um i'm like I'm, i look old <laughs> brent's always like dude yeah. the last five years you've aged like 15 i'm like ah Blame the divorce, uh, blame the kids, <laughs> whatever it is. But yeah, you're probably right. Like I'm not going to be the face of this company like for fitness forever. Um, but I mean, I'm excited about what the next chapter looks like and who the next, uh, you know, random gun bunny we get in is to be the face of soft lead. So I don't have to like be in every video anymore, but, uh, <laughs> who, who knows, <laughs> but I definitely know that, um, like the adventure has been worth it. And like, I mean, anybody that's looking to take a chance, like, Remember, I mean, the first step is, is probably the hardest one. And then once you get past that, you know, just kind of, <laughs> you're falling forward, you know I mean? Yeah. yeah. Who knows what that is, but like when you fall on your face, just kind of dust yourself off and take another step. You'll be fine. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It was a really fun time. I appreciate oh, yeah. it.